What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode number 196 of Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries for August 15th, 2020. Are are you sure it's not episode 501? Uh, it's God, it's felt that way with you, Mike. Jesus, it's felt like an eternity. Oh, my God. I don't know if I'm coming or if I'm angry. Uh, anyway, yeah, so this is the podcast about unsolved mysteries. <laughs> it's not appropriate for anyone. No one should listen to this ever. <laughs> and if you are listening to it, you know, uh, this this is some kind of like FBI plant, this podcast, just to see what kind of sick fucks would actually listen to this. <laughs> and they will be storming your door and arresting you. And that goes for Canada, too, because we... Uh, you know we're America and we're badasses. So if we want to, oh. we want to extradite someone from Canada, we'll just do that. We don't care. Oh, the the typical awkward uh, uh, start to the podcast. Yep. But what's so, not awkward is me asking Mike the question. Yes. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Uh, I was actually voted associate of the month recently. Got a nice little uh, badge from work and. Gonna get a gift card and still need to take my photo and everything. Nerd! I had a a nice little uh, bonding moment with with the new store manager on RoboCop, so that was pretty cool. We fist-pumped about it. Um, But what's what's funny is the next day, I had in my head the the time I was supposed to come to work wrong. So uh, I thought I was supposed to be at work at like 1 p.m. I mean, at 3 p.m., but it was actually 1 p.m. Oh, so that so... That, that moment of uh, of good of good <laughs> faith was just fucking ruined the very yeah, next yeah. day. No, but no, it was fine. They were more worried about me than anything else. They were, you know, because I'm not. I usually am not late like that. So, but you know, I just thought you got to laugh at that. You have to, like, you know. Uh, it doesn't take away and uh, from what I've been doing. I've been taking up a lot of, you know, picking up a lot of slack. I've been helping out, and you know, if you're not a fuck up, then they laugh about it. But if you start doing it like, you know, more than once, maybe you do. Oh it, yeah, th- th- yeah th- exactly. It, it goes from a laugh to, uh, okay, I think this dude's get because that was me. I was the second employee. Yeah. I, I was the one that at first they were like, oh, it's fine, blah blah blah, and then like on the fifth time they're like. Hey Josh, could uh, can I come and talk to you? Can you come talk to me uh-huh. in my office, you know, for a few minutes? And you know, I that, that's what's funny is that's how it kind of started out, like with the uh, because I went to work, and uh, the store manager's like, you know, pulling me aside, and you know, I want to talk to you about something in the office, you know. And so first I'm like, uh, you know, but it's like, but no, it's like, you know, I got something to congratulate you about. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, so like oh, why first, can't I they was open like, with that? Why do they gotta like? Yeah, yeah. Why do they gotta like knowingly put you through that anxiety? Because <laughs> they know. they know that that gives that is the universal way <laughs> of giving someone anxiety is when you get a text or or someone comes up to you and says, "Hey, uh, if you got a few minutes later on, um, you know, give me a call. I got something I gotta talk to you about." Uh-huh. It's like Nick Joe, yeah. just give me a preview right now. <laughs> like, tell me right now what. Like, give me a sneak peek. Or at least yeah. tell me if it's good or if it's bad. So if it's bad, then I can start going through my head like, okay, what did I do? How did I fuck up? What 
what fucked up thing do I do in my life that I've finally gotten caught for? You know, like yeah. what website that I've. What I've, did I do at work? You know, like, it, you know, because that's what you normally hear, like at work. If so, your store manager is like, we need to come to the office. I, have to, talk, I need you know? to go home and clear off all my uh, <laughs> history of uh, exotic animal porn and whatever else, <laughs> you know, someone might look at. Not me, but someone. Yeah. someone. But uh, no, it wasn't anything like that, but. My, one of my store managers, he was, he was messing with me as soon as he went in. He was like, oh, I'm sorry. We're going to have to let you go. And then I was like, I, fuck you. I, I know I know him. So we're, we're, we're pretty close. So he just has a, you know, a, kind of a dark sense of humor. So I, I just, I laughed that off because I knew that I knew he wasn't being serious. I, I know it can't just be me who has this thought. Like when I hear you talking about work, like I just, maybe it's because I've never met you. The thought of, of Mike existing in like, the outside world, like outside of his room, like uh-huh. joking with people and 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 making chit chat and mingling, it kind of blows my mind a little bit. Like, is it something that you find easy, or is it something that's weird? Oh, I, or? It's, it, it's something that over the years I've gotten uh, pretty good at. Uh, it's just one of those things that took a lot of uh, trials and tribulations. Uh, I credit my drama teacher in high school and, you know, uh, my, the work that I did in choir and all of that, you know, break out of my shell, um, in terms of social situations. Um, I've struck up conversations with complete strangers in public, you know, without any sort of problems. Um, so you can, you can go out and and exist in society. You just don't particularly here's the thing like if 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 it was easy to like get around you know if if uh i had you know rides and stuff like that or if i knew how to drive yet um then i might try to take more you know chances and go out and whatever but i gotta be honest you know i am 100 percent more of an introvert than i am an extrovert but i i've learned over the years how to get by you know how to how to how to still be extroverted enough to, you know, make an impression, you know, in the workplace or, you know, in the classroom and stuff like that. I so I mean, you, I mean, yeah, you know, you know yourself better than I do. You you say you're an introvert, but you're very extroverted with me. And, and I feel I, know. I feel like all it would take <laughs> is you just just you having the right group of friends. Up Maybe, there, you know, Maybe. And I think you'd really like like going out and yeah. all that. Yeah. God knows I don't have the right group of friends down here. I have a bunch of fucking scumbags that I hang out with. And I'm fucking sick of every single one of them because of COVID. Especially I'm... Kimmy. Oh, <laughs> dude, I just saw her fucking a few nights ago. Like it wasn't uh, a crazy encounter or anything, but she comes up to me and she's like, uh, I don't know what she says. She's ba- basically goes, hey, man, give me a high five. I think you're a pretty good person. You know, blah, blah, blah. You know, even though yada, 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 X, Y and Z and. This, that, and the other, and, and, and any any time there's a Kimmy encounter, she does all the talking, and I hate that because it's like <laughs> I got shit to say too, but she just yeah. like is so loud and boisterous and in your face, like you can never get a word in edgewise with this kind of person, uh-huh. and she's like just super, uh, just kind of got this this uh, you know super attitude kind of personality, and, and and I just it almost seems like when she's like, hey, you're a good person, but here's all these other things, that's condescending. I don't, it's not, I, don't, I I don't know what 
I don't know what her po- I don't know what she wants from me when she talks to me because yeah. cl- clearly we're not friends. You know, clearly <laughs> we don't even really like each other. So I don't know why she makes an attempt. To Maybe even she's talk one of those individuals that she just wants to make things right or you know to help her own sanity. Yeah, maybe. I mean, in some ways, I can I can uh, definitely relate to that. Because I, I get really, really uh, fucked up emotionally if I realize that, you know, I did something or something's happened and, you know, uh, a relationship, you know, a friendship or whatever is, is uh, and, you know, really close friendship, you know, is, is in jeopardy because of something I said. It sounds very specific, you know, Mike. You know, uh, I, I did have some, a couple moments like that. Uh, but actually, over, as the years have gone by, I've gotten a lot better at handling that, too. Like I, a long time relation, you know, friendship that I had with with someone, you know, we we just drifted apart recently because of you know doesn't like to see political posts on Facebook. We didn't even talk about anything, you know. He doesn't like to see him, or you don't like to see him. He doesn't like to see him. And do you just, ever post just, anything that political? I mean, you. I mean, I mean, I did fairly recently, you know, about all the, the things and whatever, pop but. Thing. Well, you know, that, but, you know, I did talk about, you know, BLM and, you know, some of the other stuff like that and the protests. I'm not, whatever. I'm not touching any of that shit with a, a but I'm not touching it right pole. now. Well, I'm no, not I, I know, right I know, now. not right now, but even on social media, I'm not touching yeah. it just because it's like, look, here's the thing, man. It's like some of you may laugh when I say this, but I am a fucking public figure to a very small extent. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. I have people that follow me and watch what I do who never say a word to me. They're just in the shadows following me because they're either a fan of of either my band or the podcast or my YouTube channel. I'm all over the place on media. And I know it might come as a surprise given the jackass statements I've made on this podcast, but I've never said anything on here that you could like take a sound bite of that would really get me in trouble, you know? Um so whenever it comes to stuff like that, like like the Black Lives Matter movement and the protests and all, I just don't even fucking touch it. I have my, I feel you. I have my own opinions about it, and they're my own goddamn business, and uh, I don't have to, you know. I know what his opinions are, but you know <laughs> that that's uh, <laughs> everybody that's doesn't have to. That, everybody doesn't yeah. have to like storm onto social media and like weigh in on every fucking no. thing. It's like nope, no, but like, I, I didn't do it as much as other people. I just had some things on my head, and I just wanted to talk about how I think it's important to you know look at both sides of of, of you know what's going on, and that that's really all I was doing. I was I was taking the most you know I, I thought it was a pretty innocuous uh, you know fairly innocent approach, and you know it just didn't work, didn't rub uh, one of my friends the right way. So it, it's you know it is what it is. Uh, we were drifting apart anyway, so it was just like, okay, all right, bye. <laughs> you know, it's yeah, kinda... <laughs> dude, that happens. That happens in life all the time, man. Like, I have so many friends that five, six years ago, I'd look at an old picture on Facebook or something, and I'd be like, oh yeah, I used to like hang out with that dude all the time, and now it's like I either completely hate the person or. Usually it's I just don't like them. We grew apart for whatever reason. They they mm-hmm. started too much drama and. You know, they clearly weren't, I, you know, I had gotten to the point where it's like, I really want to start getting serious about like all my endeavors, whether it was YouTube or, yeah. or, or the uh, band or whatever. And so I got to a point where like, I wanted to avoid drama because all I wanted to do is focus on the music and the YouTube channel and all that. And, um, 
I feel like all my friends that I don't hang out with anymore were really only interested in just pursuing drama because literally they had nothing else going on in their lives. Mm-hmm. They were going to their yeah. work-a-day jobs and they had no, you know, nothing they were particularly yeah. good at, no hobbies, no nothing. They just, their only thing yeah. to talk about when we got together was talking shit about other people we both knew. And, uh-huh. and I knew that when I wasn't around, they were talking shit about me because that's how oh, it yeah. always works. Just as a little tip out there for anyone who uh, doesn't realize that. If you're hanging out with someone who's constantly talking shit about other people, guess what? They're talking shit about you when you're not there. Why do I feel like I'm talking like David Miscavige right now? (laughs) All these people have to do is get on our course, and with the E-Meter and LRH technology, we can get you clear in in a very short period. No, I'm just... Anyway... Scientology no, but yeah, I I totally I totally feel you on that. Um, and I I think what's happened is you've matured in in a lot of ways. So you're just becoming a more mature person, and you're just like, ah, yeah. And there's people I, there's people that, that I just anymore. don't waste my energy on anymore. Like someone like Kimmy, like I do find her, yeah. I do find her attractive. I'm not gonna lie. Back in the day, I t- I and I see her around a lot. That's really the only two things that need to happen for me to hit on someone. I find them attractive and I see them around a lot. So uh-huh. back in the day, she totally bet would have been a chick that I would have you know macked on or whatever. But yeah. now nowadays, I'm just so like not about wasting my time on people that I know I will never get along with. Like I we are never going to get along. If back in the day, I would have just wasted my time trying uh-huh. to. Uh, kissing her ass and all no i i don't do that anymore you you're you disrespected me you're a disrespectful person in general you're you're cocky you're arrogant you you don't have any of the qualities of somebody that i would want to even be around as a friend let alone anything more than that so yeah i mean i've definitely learned when to cut cut the losses and it's sad because other people don't know when to do that and they keep pursuing something that is not so great and then it fails inevitably, and they go on this whole. Oh, I can't believe I wasted my time with that. But it's like, well, dude, I mean, you you, you knew you're you know. I'm I'm speaking of someone very specifically. I'm not going <laughs> to name their name because sometimes they listen to this podcast. But yeah, anyway. yeah. But no, I mean, yeah. Uh, it, 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 this is the kind of thing that just takes time, and everybody you know comes to this uh, realization in their life at a different point, at a different crux. Oh, so, so, um, so while it's in, in my, in the tip of my brain here, um, yeah, I don't know what's going on with the fucking podcast shirts. Um, <laughs> they were supposed to be here Thursday. Uh, I was looking forward to You the- asked for too many colors, dude. That's uh, what that's I know. <laughs> fucking Eddie giving us like different colors and shit. How dare he give me a different color shirt than you, Mike? <laughs> I mean, like, dude. I was supposed to get the shirts Thursday from the guy. No, trust me, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't know that there was like a limit, you know, to the number of colors in a shirt. So, so I, apparently, I don't know any of that. Screen stuff. printing is a very fucking ancient, delicate process that must be, you know, you, you gotta, you gotta have your your graphics set up exactly right to to be able to get it printed right. And I think there's artists out there who work specifically on designs that are meant to be printed on shirts because there's a totally different process called screen printing that you use typically there are other processes like uh direct to garment printing and stuff like that but screen printing is the most common practice when printing onto shirts 
or iron on like back in the 70s uh, yeah well that's ghetto as fuck but anyway yeah, that would only work like uh for like one or two days if that yeah and then that would put it in the wash and then yeah, that was it no that's that you don't iron anything onto a shirt a jacket maybe a <laughs> uh, jacket definitely a vest but when you iron it on you also sew it on too so it's like you know on there hardcore yeah. But anyway, uh, this guy said that his operation was only set up for a six-color job, and since mine was... Did he let you know that ahead of time? He did not. He did not. Uh And this was the guy who I took our first run of shirts to. So if you own one of the original Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries podcast t-shirts, that's the same guy, and he fucked those ones up somehow. I don't remember how. I don't remember if he quoted me the wrong price, or he... I don't know how, but somehow he he fucked up so bad that he gave me a free mouse pad with our logo and two coffee mugs, which I think didn't I send you the other coffee yep. mug? Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. Okay, yeah. So I so <laughs> I got some free swag out of his fuck up. We went through this guy for several of my band shirts, Dancing with Ghosts. Uh, he fucked up the first design by not adding enough colors. But it was good enough, and people didn't seem to mind, so we ordered a second run through this guy. Why are you still doing, you know, <laughs> is it because of close proximity or something? It's is like, this it's why like you're... a toxic relationship, Mike. It's like, I just enjoy the makeup sex after he fucks up my shirt. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, you fucked up all 50 of my shirts. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I feel... No, um... I I went I yeah I know it was gross I wish I hadn't said it I wish I could take it back but too late now um <laughs> I I uh I went to this guy again because uh I thought he was going to be cheaper which when I told him everything that I wanted I want it to be you know softer higher quality t-shirts I wanted it to be nine colors I didn't want him to skimp because even though the first unsolved uh, podcast shirt that we did looked good uh the Dancing with Ghost shirts that we got through this guy, he didn't use enough colors. And he didn't tell us that beforehand. So I, I made very sure to tell him this time, use all the fucking colors that are on this design. Like, don't skimp out. Like, use all nine colors. And I even listed the colors. There's dark gray, there's light gray, there's white, there's black, there's blue, blah, blah, blah. So, um, you know, I wanted him to get it right. And I thought it was going to be cheap because my boss went and got some club, uh, some shirts for his nightclub printed there, and, and he got the front and back printed, and it was, like, super cheap. So I was like, all right, well, I guess this guy will hook me up since I've been to him a few times. But had I known that he was going to jerk my dick around this fucking much, I would have easily went to someone else by now. Easily. Because I think this guy is just an amateur, and he's able to do, like, he's able to, like, squeeze out, like, you know, shirts for, like, middle schools like baseball teams and stuff just real simple crap like a one color kind of uh-huh. gilded basic ass shit but when it comes to like my kind of projects um he he you, you know, know like the basic ass shirts that uh unsolved uh mysteries is, is oh, yeah. doing officially yeah, exactly <laughs> yeah but when it comes to the do- design that i want and it's not even a complex design it's two cartoon characters and a logo but i wanted the cartoon characters to you know, have their coloration be correct because, and, yeah. and, and mind you, that was de- that, that design that I finally sent, which I posted in our Facebook group. If you want to go to uh, our Facebook group and see what I'm talking about, it's uh, facebook.com and then go to the search bar, type in uncovering unexplained mysteries, go to the groups tab and you should be able to pull us up. 
But um, the first design, Eddie had used even more colors because my skin was a darker shade than yours, which makes sense because I'm olive complexion and you're just a cracker. So that made sense. And he, <laughs> he used some other colors yeah. too. But he, he pared that down even to where in the final design, we're both the same skin tone and he took away some other colors. So, uh-huh. you know, that was pared down from even... And it looks like such a simple cartoon, you know? It's not like yeah. this complex thing, but... Any fucking hoozles. Uh, I was so excited to get these shirts uh, and and for him to, you know, the, and this guy's been dodging my calls. I left him a voicemail yesterday. And uh, so I, I thankfully I haven't paid him a deposit or anything. So it's not like I've lost any money. But Jesus, man, like I'm almost I almost want to call him at this point and be like, hey, man, cancel the order. I'm just going to go with someone else. Like, I, I, I can't do this. Like. So the shirts, I'll just have to let you know whenever they come in. Who the fuck knows? So anyway, that's it's that. a mystery. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So this is a podcast about unsolved mysteries, and we're going to be talking about one unsolved mystery and something that comes straight from the annals of our Patreon account. This was from Robin, I want to say, and uh, this this is what you get, folks, when you donate that five dollar five dollar make you holla uh, a month. Then um, we will do a segment of your choosing and he wanted me to talk about the um prospect of dutch settlement pre-fleet raised now this is all off an australian affiliate or australian branch of abc.net um i should probably do research probably should have done research into this but i haven't they keep- i don't think it's the same abc it's a uh, you know it's australian abc so Australian broadcast company, maybe? Yeah, it's a completely different thing. Well, fuck me with a sausage. <laughs> so this has to do with Australia. Uh, they keep bringing up something called the First Fleet, and uh, I just Googled that right now, because I feel like, because as an American, I have no idea what, what the fuck the First Fleet is referring to. The First Fleet was the 11 ships that departed Portsmouth, England on... May 13th, 1787, to found New South Wales, the penal colony that became the first European settlement in Australia. Okay. The fleet consisted of two Royal Navy vessels, three store ships, and six convict transports carrying between 1,000 and 1,500 convicts, marines, seamen, civil officers, and free people, and a large quantity of stores. From England, the fleet sailed southwest to Rio de Janeiro, then east to Cape Town, and via the Great Southern Ocean to Botany Bay over the period of uh, Botany Bay. 18th <laughs> to the 20th January 1788, taking 250 to 250, 250 to 252 days from departure to final arrival. During the period uh, 26, 25th to 26th January 1788, the fleet moved from Botany Bay to present-day Sydney. Okay, so that's what the first fleet is. I didn't know so th- they had a proper name. So this article, I guess it's about the theory that there was another fleet, another settlement prior to that one. Of Dutch. So so similar to the whole uh, uh, America was discovered by somebody else before uh columbus you know that kind of thing yeah which again i find i find the 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 statement problematic that that you can discover a place where people already live (laughs) yeah i know like it it only becomes legit when a when a white guy uh finds it you know yeah 
But I mean, I, I guess as far as the record keeping and all, like, it's not like Native Americans have history books, you know? I mean, that's kind of... Well, they probably have a different kind of record keeping. I wouldn't go that far. They well, they have a way of keeping records that was uh, different that we don't have access to for, you know... A multitude of reasons. From, like uh, from my understanding, away, um, they the Native Americans they were really big on um, handing down stories from like yeah. spoken spoken word, and there was like one elder in the tribe who would know like all the mm-hmm. the relevant stories and would. But they could have they could have uh, you know documented them in a different way that just we don't have access to because it either no longer exists or we just we just, we just don't have it available. Well, what the fuck ever. Anyway, this is about Dutch settlement pre-fleet raids. <laughs> the claim that Dutch survivors of shipwrecks had formed settlements in Australia before the first fleet has captured imaginations. Mainstream historians are generally skeptical. Oh, they spell skeptical different in Australia. They spell with a C instead of a K. Uh, mainstream historians are skeptical because of a lack of hard evidence. But a New South Wales man believes he may have found a likely location for a settlement near Carrickan Car- Lakes, only... 100 kilometers north of Perth. Kilometer, uh, what is that? Like, uh, uh, it's a little bit shorter than a mile, isn't it? It's like three. Uh, Don't ask me. Okay. (laughs) All right. So this is, this is going to be great for every non us listener because they're going to know all these measurements and shit. Um, I'd never learned the metric system, so it's not my fault, folks. I'm, I'm your typical American. I do. Well, I mean, initially, uh, there was a whole movement to uh, make us uh, adopt the metric system in the 70s. Yeah, that didn't stick. No. Yeah, but but I I do like, though, how, like, if you're a drug addict, then all of a sudden you you know all about the fucking metric system because everything's dealing in grams and kilos and all that shit. (laughs) So as soon as you start smoking pot, you become a fucking genius of the metric system. Oh, no. So anyway, he says the most likely candidate uh, candidates are the survivors of the Gilt Dragon disaster. Most amazingly, he suggested the settlement may... There was a dragon? Well, like, <laughs> a the name. dragon was involved? It's like a proper noun. I guess it's the name of a fucking <laughs> Yeah, I know, I, I know, but that, that would have been a pretty awesome disaster if, you know, they survived a dragon attack. <laughs> ah, it's like, like combining into, like, Japanese culture or Chinese, whatever. Um... He sug- Japanese? Yeah, I'm trying to move forward with this. Okay? <laughs> we got a lot to get through here, man. We got a lot of plowing right. to do. All right. He suggested the settlement may have thrived into the 19th century, but it seems tangible evidence of a Dutch settlement is yet to be found. The ship, Gilt Dragon, or Virgude Drek, was found off the West Australian coast 50 years ago. Dozens of survivors made it to shore after the vessel was wrecked in 1656. A small group set off for Batavia in the Dutch East Indies to raise the alarm, but little trace was ever found of the 68 who remained on the mainland. Henry Van Zanden, author of the book Lost White Tribes of Australia, Part 1, thinks a Dutch settlement could have thrived in an area he's visited. The precise location is not being disclosed because it's on private property. While Mr. Van Zanden admits he hasn't found any artifacts... Oh, they spell artifacts different, too. R-A-R-T-E-F-A-C-T-S instead of R-A-T-I. Wow, we're a lot different than the Australians than I originally thought. Anyway, he hasn't hasn't (laughs) found any artifacts of the 17th century Dutch, 
uh, but he believes guilt dragon survivors could have survived there. Quote, I think I found the possibility that a lost white tribe existed in Western Australia well before the settlement of the east coast of New South Wales. I believe this happened. Okay, JFK. I, I, I believe this happened in 1656, he said. <laughs> Mr. Van Zanden believes the settlement may have thrived until the 1830s and backs his claim with an article published in the Leeds Mercury in 1834. Did you want to- so the next section here is called White Tribe. Uh, the newspaper printed a replicated account of a supposed explorer's journey in northern Australia, during which a Lieutenant Nixon came upon a tribe of white people who had been living as an independent group for nearly two centuries. I wonder if Lieutenant Nixon has any relation to Richard Nixon. Uh, there is an evidence that the article was a hoax, so it was a lie. So, but Mr. Van Zanden is among those who believes that there's at least some truth in it, and some of it may have come from the real-life explorer Robert Dale. The governor, James Sterling, received uh, that account from Dale, who had been exploring it at the time, uh, 1832, around the Carrican Lakes, and his journal has never been found, he said. Mr. Van Zanden is certain that whoever was behind the Leeds Mercury article had some access to the missing Dale journal. He could see these people in canoes down there. Some had one person in, in the canoe, some had two, and it was dotted with all these islands, especially on the northern side. There seemed to be a river from the southern edges, he recounted. In the distance, he thought he could see a group of habitations in a grove of tall trees. Initially, when I first went there, I thought, that's not possible. It's underwater, but on the second occasion that I've been there, the land does rise upwards. It would have made an ideal location to defend. Mr. Van Zanden believes it was Dale who possibly spent time with the so-called Lost White Tribe. He was just amazed at the story they told, he said. The story they told was a story that their ancestors arrived 170 years ago, and that equates quite well with the Virgold Draic, or Gilt Dragon. According to Lieutenant Nixon or Dale, there have been some inevitable changes in the community over such a long period. They were no longer a white settlement. It wasn't a white settlement as such. They were now a white aboriginal tribe because they had spent probably 10 to 15 years with their aborigines. Uh, they might have certainly lived separately, and they lived separately across the river to the southern aboriginal tribe that had been born out by many aboriginal stories. Uh, archaeologist Heather Bulith thinks that there may be a substance to the argument. He's done a good job by allocating this scenario to some historical documentations, she said. Uh, I think from having a look at it, it fits the bill and it's really not that far from the coast at all, but it had everything that could sustain a group of people for hundreds of years. Dr. Bulith, who, who is an adjunct research associate with Monash University, believes that if the Dutch had lived on, they must have relied on Aboriginal people, for without their help, the harsh Australian environment would have led to their demise. She says she had found something worthy of further investigation. What I did find uh, uh, that I think was a bit different to what I found in Aboriginal archaeology was that there were pits, she said. I think these pits could show uh, with some analysis that maybe there was storage happening there and that could differentiate between an Aboriginal economy and a Dutch economy. Location clues. 
Henry Van Zanden's self-published book compiles previous accounts by those who've taken an interest in Dutch shipwreck survivors. I can't think of a more interesting book I would want to read on a Sunday afternoon than uh, Dutch shipwreck survivors and reading books on that. Anyway, uh, he's, <laughs> he's certainly not... Really selling this, are I, I am. But you see, even though I might not have the most interest in this, I'm still doing it. That's what money yeah. can do, people. That's the well, lesson I mean, if, here. This kind of reminds me of some of the stuff that I read about uh, when I was taking my archaeology classes and... You know, it is a little, it is definitely, at least for me, a little bit interesting. No, no, it, it's, it's kind of, well, honestly, I didn't know anything about the, the, I mean, you know, in America, there's always this joke that, you know, Australia is this, the, the, the prison, you know, country or whatever mm-hmm. and whatever. Yeah. Did I say whatever just twice there? Did I say and whatever, whatever? Jesus Christ. Um. Anyway, I'll get back. Isn't it a continent and a country? It is. It's, it's, it's both. It's, it's, it's yeah. It's both. It's a. Walking contradiction, or maybe a walking synonym, I don't know. Uh, so anyway, he's certainly not the first Australian to get excited about the 1834 Leeds Mercury article. Les Hiddens, also known as the Bush Tucker Man. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this, okay. I, was sent, uh, I was sent a video as well accompanying this article, an episode featuring this Bush Tucker Man guy. I didn't get around to watching it, but uh, he definitely... Looked very Australian, whatever that means to you. Uh, he, I mean, the name, like, I, uh, I'm, I'm just curious he kinda, about... Kinda, kind of kinda had a Crocodile Dundee vibe going on with the hat and everything. Yeah. I'm just wondering uh, why he got the name the Bush Tucker Man. I imagine bushes are big in Australia. Uh-huh. And, um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Everything what else. What kind is... of bush? <laughs> just... Well, I remember at the beginning of Rocco's Modern Life, Rocco was uh, a, a, a dingo of some kind, and in the very opening sequence of the show, he, he hopped out from behind a bush. So that's literally uh-huh. all my reference to why Australia is big He's on a bushes. wallaby. Whatever. Is, wa- is that in the dingo? <laughs> this is just exposing left and right just how stupid and unqualified to do anything me and Mike are. That's what I think I like the least about this experience right now. <laughs> but yeah, he jumped out from behind a bush or whatever. So that's what kind of okay. that kind of yeah, you know, the that, wallaby jumped out from behind a bush. Okay, that uh, informed me on on an entire uh, continent and their interests in small trees, essentially. Because well, I think it's I think bush is a isn't it a um, it's a term. It's like slang for a part of Australia. I don't know. I, yeah, I, I know it's what, it's what the bush slang, means. slang for a abundance of pubic hair. <laughs> that I do yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's the bush tucker. <laughs> That's why I, he's bush so the tuck, bush tucker man. <laughs> Not that kind of bush. <laughs> anyway, this bush tucker man guy brought the story to a national audience in the 1990s. And he's done extensive follow-up work on the issue. He went looking for locations closer to central Australia. Henry Van Zanden believes Les Hiddens was, a.k.a. Bush Tuckerman, was out by quite a long way and considers other clues which bring the settlement further west. So now they're debating. So here's what, yeah, so this Bush Tuckerman and a lot of the other people interviewed kind of remind me of the Treasure Hunters you know, when, when they're talking about the lost treasure, se- you know, uh, segments and unsolved mysteries where you have the people 
who are experts, you know, about the lost Dutchman mine. Think, you know, that, that I think the kind best of example uh, for Unsolved Mysteries would be the Noah's Ark segment. Yeah. Because you, yeah. you have, like, these two people who are, like, really passionate about uh-huh. this is where it is, these are the reasons why... You know, but for whatever reason. And then you have the other people who are like, no, this is where it is. The Bible. And this is the reason why. People always say, well, the Bible land or the ark landed on the mountains of Mount Ararat. Well, that's not what the Bible says. It landed on the mountain of Mount. Like, oh, wow, man, you just dropped a wisdom bomb. You just. (laughs) You took the pluralized version of mountains and made it singular. Damn, brah. You smart. (laughs) So, anyway, Bushman Tucker took everything. Very literally on the article, although he did make adjustment that the latitude was wrong, so therefore he looked more towards the South Australian Palm Valley, but they had different prime meridians years ago. Now we just assume that everybody used Greenwich Prime Meridian, that zero longitude that runs through Greenwich in England. Uh, but other countries, for instance, the Portuguese and the Spanish, they used the Azores as the prime meridian. Whatever the fuck any of this is talking about, I don't know. Now, when you use the same longitude or coordinates as the Leeds Mercury article, that brings you right across a settlement. Mr. Van Zanden admits the lack of artifacts of European origin creates a challenge. The biggest problem is finding European artifacts at the location of a settlement that hasn't been found. Although all of the physical details of the area fit in almost exactly to the Leeds Mercury article, there doesn't seem to be one mistake anywhere. Everything fits in perfectly. The author says the hard evidence was likely washed away in a major 19th century flood. The chairman of the VOC Research Society, Tom Vandervelt, has become an authority on evidence of shipwreck survivors. Vandervelt. Vandervelt. (laughs) He likes Henry Van Sanden's book, but only to a point. It's informing the reader that there's a lot of mysteries, but there's no conclusions, he said. (laughs) <laughs> it's interesting reading. It's very well presented book. It's really good. I can't fault it, and the photographs are very helpful. But the stories attached to it are a bit dubious. Again, for lack of evidence, it's sometimes not even circumstantial evidence. Tom Vanderveld says he looked at Carrick and Lakes before and found little interest. They certainly discovered nothing dating from 17th century Europe. We made it to rules as anything with a straight line was man made, and the rest was bush. He said, it didn't yield anything. The metal detector we found, we used, found one bullet, and that was all. I would, love how Vandervelt is like the stereotypical cliche, like evil German in, you know, like yeah, those absolutely. Fucking, yeah, I almost read the last Nazi line. documentaries. Yeah, I almost read the last line as, as if he said, uh, the metal detector we found found nothing, which would be even more hilarious. Oh, look, iron metal detector. That's perfect, because that's exactly what we need for this expedition. Let's just use this ones that we found. It, it wouldn't be the most like professional operation if that's how they uh, went searching. Yeah. <laughs> like, so, apparently there's a genetic link. Ooh. Mr. Vandervelt won't shoot down all of Mr. Van Zanden's arguments, though. He is putting more faith in DNA testing of samples from Aboriginal people, which has already shown a Western European influence. There's an ongoing attempt to work out uh, when that genetic link started, remembering that not everyone who was on a Dutch vessel was Dutch. Until those tests are completed, it appears the Dutch settlements which predated the First Fleet will remain a figment of the imagination and a target for fevered speculation. 
Professor Mike McCarthy of the WA uh, Maritime Museum has uh, seen more than his uh, fair share of fevered speculation. Uh, does WA mean Washington, or is it, does it mean like so probably means something else somewhere in, in, in me- Australia? Means wise ass. <laughs> There's a lot of ifs and buts, but my rule is not to spoil a good story with the truth by being a boring bureaucrat. Bure- you allow bureaucrat. people. Bure- yeah, I can't say that word, so fuck it. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much how <laughs> I've been the, on this whole article. That's the that's the best that it's gonna get. I never claimed that I was the best there was or the best there ever will be when it comes to reading uh, things. So, uh, you here he's quoted again. You allow people to develop their interests as I did with the HMAS Sydney all those years and encourage people not to speculate beyond what they are able to prove or what is a reasonable, reasonable speculation. Professor McCarthy says there's little in that uh, Mr. Van Zanden has presented that would convince them of a Carrican Lake settlement. I can't see really strong evidence here that can cause anybody to conclude that it occurred. Uh, yeah, it's a great story. It might have occurred. It's interesting, but it smells like bullshit to me. Uh, that that's not what he said, but he might as well be saying that because that that's really what he what he's saying in a lot of different ways. It's just he's saying it in a more eloquent. Uh, he's letting them down easy. Yes. The relative lack of physical evidence by guilt dragon survivors means there's a vast uh, historical vacuum which is being filled with inquiry and fantasy. Professor McCarthy says there's little evidence. The hard evidence that we know of is in the form of the coins that were found by two young boys in the 1930s in the region north of Seabird, and they found silver coins, some of Japanese style, that were clearly from guilt dragon, and the date range uh, finishes just before the Gilt Dragon period. There was also a skeleton found, a very powdery skeleton in the same region. Beyond that, the evidence is nil. So, how do you lose 68 people is the big question. One would have expected far more remains to be visible. One would have also expected far more to have entered into the indi- indi- indigenous, indigenous... Indigenous legend. Jesus. I... <laughs> I cannot see how you can have a group of European people in a settlement in Australia and not have Aboriginal people comment on it. Henry Van Zanden does talk enthusiastically about the Gilt Dragon survivors receiving help from local indigenous people. Uh, Professor McCarthy cast doubt on the concept unless the Gilt Dragon group split up. Now, you imagine 68 people and you are an Aboriginal group who don't number anything like that big... Do you think that it's possible that you would assist them or you would be fearful of this group of spirits or whatever that have come ashore? He says the studies show Aboriginal people tended to help small groups of shipwreck survivors. Professor McCarthy also says there's not much in it and people need to really look for and find some solid evidence. Bring to us evidence of the objects that they've seen that would say that the Dutch were here. It's the physical things that allow us to say yes, it happened. Unlike a historical document from 1834, which I clearly think is a hoax. If it's not there, then we have to carry on. Good luck, but let's keep it within the bounds of decent speculation or surmise or hypotheses. Hypotheses. So, like, what, what's, why is, I mean, okay, ignorant American over here, so forgive me. Why would the Australian people give a shit one way? I mean, is it like a, a big historical thing? Like, is it one of those things where it's like, oh, well, some of us might not have descended from people who were, you know, taken here as mm-hmm. prisoners 
or yeah. whatever. Some of us might well, have originated originated from from Dutch. Yeah. Well, if you think about it, it's similar to a lot of people in the historical field and archaeology in in that particular field where they're like, I want to make a big discovery. You know, it's all yeah. about like making history, making their mark on history. It, it's it's all it's all like uh, it, I feel like that would be a neckbeard's like ultimate orgasm. Being able to do the biggest actually, <laughs> I found out that the Dutch discovered Australia, and it was not uh, some uh, first fleet ships. You know, I think that's that's that. It's all it's all <laughs> so neckbeards can have that that bigger actually to drop on people. Regardless, I find, you know, the origins of uh, settlements or, you know, countries or continents interesting. You know, how, how the, you know, how uh, the first settlement arrived and, you know, what was what was in it and, and how things went and so on and so forth. You know, what I'm so, interested in is um, the disappearing that the, the ghost colony. Oh, yeah. Uh, in um, what was it? It wasn't Jamestown. Well, that Jamestown is interesting, though, too. Okay, here we go. The Roanoke Colony refers to two attempts by Sir Walter Raleigh to found the first permanent English sum in North America, the English led by Humphrey Gilbert, blah, blah, blah. Okay, there's too much shit here. Um, let me see. Following the I failure... there's a documentary about it. Second colony led by John, John White landed there on the same island in 1587, became known John as, White. Became known <laughs> as the Lost Colony due to the unexplained disappearance of his population. Yeah, like they just like showed up and and like everyone was gone. Okay, oh, that's right. The word Croton was found carved into the palisade, which uh, White interpreted to mean the colonists had relocated to uh, the Croatian island before he could follow this lead. Rough seas and a lost anchor forced the rescue mission to return to England. Hmm. Croatian. They're spelling it different now. It's they're spelling it C R O A T O A N. I feel like this episode is like why Mike and Josh should get on hooked on phonics, why they should probably <laughs> read more. Uh, yeah, why they should read more also, uh, stuff from other con- you know other countries or continents. Yeah. Yeah. Also, just how easy it is to start a podcast uh, as far as. <laughs> the limited knowledge that you need um uh, but you know again people this is why this uh, our podcast is not on audible.com because i would never want anyone to pay for this god for god's <laughs> sakes i would never want anyone to pay for this unless you're telling me what to do as far as uh the pot the episode or you are wanting it early then i'm gonna want money but if just for the average listener i would never ever charge you money for this shit because it's not worth money because it's priceless. So are you trying... Oh, oh! I thought you were going to say it's worthless. <laughs> that's better. So, um, well, that's cool. Um, it, it sounds to me like they just don't have the, the proof. The They don't have any uh, artifacts. Yeah, I don't think they have enough to really discount the uh, the story as it as it stands right now. As to what what happened, you know, with the first fleet and everything. Um, it, a lot of it's just, you know, the same sort of speculation and theories like the Noah's Ark, you know, uh, guys, uh, in, in, in the Unsolved Mysteries segment or the people who were 
having these theories about where the treasure is, you know. Yeah, I mean, you would you would think that uh, the Aboriginal people would 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 kind of maybe mention that, you know. Yeah. Oh yeah, there was like a lot of white people here, and um, they they talked funny. Just thought you should know, you know, they they would probably make mention of that. You would think. So. Yeah. So I I I, I uh, side with the skeptic in in this uh, particular case. And I don't think there's enough evidence to really suggest that, you know, there was uh, another settlement prior to the, you know, the the Guilt Dragon one. Just because I haven't been able to do this in a while. (laughs) But don't we normally do that when the skeptic is wrong? Right. But that's just how much I've wanted to just blow the whistle. (laughs) All right. So, this is a podcast about Unsolved Mysteries, and the next uh, case is actually an Unsolved Mysteries case. Uh, This is the case of John Christian and Molly Maggio. So, uh, this is from Season 11, I believe, of Unsolved Mysteries, because I've been been, uh, going backwards with the the show. Uh, This isn't, like, prime, great Unsolved Mysteries in terms of the case, but... I thought it was fun enough. I thought there was enough going on with this one that was worth talking about. You have some fraud. You have some uh, robbery. You have some stuff like that. You have some intrigue. Um, and the reenactments are, are entertaining. Are we pretty much have a, Are we pretty much just telling people to skip this episode in general? <laughs> I think that's the general no. vibe that we're giving off no. right now. Nah, nah, not at all. We're just being honest. Uh, you're not helping sell this anymore no we're not telling people to skip it we're just being honest it sucks hey i'm not even i hey i'm not the one saying it sucks you're the one that's saying it sucks i didn't think it sucked i thought it was good (laughs) i mean anyway yeah if you want to go off like the like choice cuts of meat when it comes to old unsolved mysteries episodes i mean Shit, the f- I'm just saying the same thing that we've said when we've, we've covered cases First like this. First 20 episodes, I think we knocked all those out, and then ever since then, it's just been like, ooh, yeah. random gem here, random gem there. Uh-huh. But this, this like I said, I, I wasn't saying that this sucked. I was just saying <clears> it's not on the same level as, like, classic Prime Unsolved Mysteries. But it's still it's still got a, never a, a, enough going for it. will never be a good car salesman. <laughs> I'm not planning on being a car salesman. <laughs> So anyway, in May of 1992, Brent uh, Trouth of uh, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, decided to sell his Nissan sports car, and a man named John Maggio became a potential buyer. All Maggio needed to finish the deal was a cashier's check, and Brent agreed to take him to the bank. However, along the way, and without warning, and out of fucking nowhere, Maggio pulled out a gun, planning to steal Brent's car. The two struggled until Brent was shot in the leg. Then Maggio jumped out of the car, leaving Brent to drive himself to the hospital. I mean, this Brent guy is a badass. He got shot in the fucking leg. Ke- and kept just drive cool. your ass to the hospital. Yeah, kept his cool enough to like fight, struggle the- with the you know fight fight Maggio. Yeah, while driving at the same time and just yeah, like yeah that 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 dude and then that, then he like while driving. He bites Maggiano, and that's what I'm going to call yeah. him now. He bites his fucking shoulder to where Maggiano drops yeah. the gun. 
Brent throws it uh-huh. out the window and Mahjong's like, let me out! And he's like, no, I'm not letting you out. And then Mahjong just opens the door and tucks and rolls out of the fucking yeah. car while Homeboy yeah. has to drive to the hospital with a goddamn bullet wound through his fucking knee, which I, yeah, I cringe, yeah. dude. The knee is like, that yeah. is one area you don't want fucked up. Uh-huh. The knee and like the spine and the rotator cuff, wherever that's at. Yeah. So yeah, uh, I thought the reenactment was good too. They did a good job by recreating the the frenzy, you know, the freneticness of that particular scenario. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, um, how the hell would they? Okay, so this is like perfect example. Like, how the hell would they ever do an episode like this on the new Unsolved Mysteries? You know what I mean? It's just like yeah, one of those things where it's like we're never gonna get this kind of episode. In, in the no. way that it needs to be portrayed on the new show, which is a shame. You need that reenactment. Yeah, because you do. Because it just, it just makes, it, makes things all the more striking, you know, makes things uh, stick with the audience more. Uh, so, Maggio was then arrested the next day and charged with attempted murder. He pleaded guilty and was sentenced to five years in prison. After he was paroled, Maggio went to Mobile, Alabama... And got a job as a boarding agent for Follett Green Shipping Services. This job involved processing payroll accounts for ships in dock. Now, here's the thing. I understand you're not supposed to, like, judge all convicts, you know, like they're untrustworthy and so on and so forth. But this guy clearly is not your, you know, the the white-collar, you know, crime guy. Or the guy who, like, you know, he was busted for, like, a little bit of weed or something and went to prison for five... You know, you know, that kind of thing. Like, like this is the guy who, like, was going to shoot a guy and steal his car. <laughs> and he actually wound up shooting him in the leg. So this is not really the, the most trustworthy guy. I, I would, you know, if I looked at his rap sheet, I'm not going to give him a job as a boarding agent for uh you know payroll accounts for my business but he had such charm and charisma though can't fall for that <laughs> yeah cannot fall for that <laughs> that's some wa- i like how stern you got just then mike it, it, it was very like it was very serious you can't fall well i mean for that. hey we we've watched so many episodes of this show and that's what these fraudsters do they have this charisma they're sociopaths they know how to you know put on this uh this uh, fake veneer of uh, civility and, you know, being the best employee, but but they're just there to rip you off. Yep, they're always, so, the, yeah, they're always this... the last person that you, would, uh, that you would expect. So the service involved uh, sizable amounts of cash. Uh, while in Mobile, uh, mobile uh, Maggio fell for single mother Molly Perez. After a whirlwind uh, romance... The two married in April of 1999. Although the marriage appeared to be perfect, uh, it wasn't. Her mother claims that Maggio was sometimes abusive and violent towards her. Molly's daughter told her grandmother that she was terrified of him and did not want to be around him. They showed like a reenactment of uh, Maggio and his and his wife at like some party or something, and they they established this whole thing with the grandmother and, and, and the daughter. And that's just, I mean, that's just so like, how does a mother not, but it, it seems like the mother in this scenario, she was probably afraid too. So she probably didn't want to, you know, say anything. Probably. 
So that's probably, you know, what was going on. Uh, but anyway, uh, in August of 1999, Maggio called a local bank in his capacity as a fillet green agent and arranged to process a cash check for $197,000. That's 1990s, $197,000. Yeah. Might as well double that for today's money. Then sometime over the next few days, authorities believe that Maggio went into his office after hours and took a blank check. He later brought the check to the bank with the forged signature of his office manager on it. Mm. When the bank employee noticed that Maggio was nervous, he claimed that he was worried about carrying such a large amount of money. She asked if he wanted an escort, but he said that he would be fine. And after that, he walked out of the bank with $197,000 in cash and disappeared. So, here's what I would do, uh, you know, if, if I was a bank employee. I would do whatever I can to solve this and, and not even allow him to walk out with his money. Because the guy's clearly nervous. Uh, if It's not a normal, it's not a normal thing. It's not a guy you see very often. So it's not one of those things where it's like, oh, he's been here multiple times. Well, he's actually has been there multiple times, but not in terms of like this amount of money. So when you have a guy who, you know, he's doing this huge amount of money. I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I would definitely this is where it would be nice to have, be able to do background checks for this kind of this kind of thing as as a bank employee. Like, uh, can they do that? Just to cash a can check? You do... Well, yeah, I mean, especially if it's that large. Yeah, I mean, you'd think, because I'm thinking to myself, any check that I, I've ever gotten from someone, whether it's from a wedding or whatever, I, and I go to, if it's, if it's anything like, if it, if it's anything above like, uh, you know, $500, well, actually now I just use the app, but back in the day before they had the app where well, you can just take a picture of the damn check and that way you're insured that you can yeah. just hold on to it. Um. Uh-huh. I would go inside to the actual bank and go to the teller and have it because I didn't trust the ATM because you can insert your check into the ATM and it'll deposit. But I'm like, well, what if it eats my check or something? You know, yeah. it's all that money. And then yeah. I have to get a new check from the people. And it's like a huge pain in the uh-huh. ass. So I would go inside. And uh, yeah, I mean, if you walk in there and, you, you know, you have a check for that huge amount of money, you know, and you're trying to get it cashed. It's like that is kind of suspicious. That's what that's what I'm saying. Like it's just a very suspicious kind of thing. But I don't know if that you know, warrants you know. a background check, though. I mean, that's kind of an invasion of uh, it is privacy to a certain extent. It is, it is. But you know, it would be a way to prevent certain things like this from happening. Like you get the background check, and then it would just be like, nope. <laughs> but uh, the next day, one of his coworkers received a call from their accountant asking if they had written out any big checks. She said that they did not. So the accountant asked for her to look for a check with a specific number. She looked and it was not there. Uh, realizing that someone had most likely stolen the check and the money, they contacted the police. And the reenactment, her reaction is the typical, you know, sort of like, oh, yeah, you know, like the shoulders are slumped down and it's just like, oh, man. Wah, 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 wah. So they contacted the police. Uh, investigators confirmed the signature was used on the check was a forgery. At around the same time, Molly dropped off her daughter with her mother. She and Maggio then left Mobile in a new $35,000 SUV, which she had purchased with some stolen money. Now, four months later, the Maggios reportedly turned up in Staten Island, New York, using the aliases of Rick and Sarah Parker. 
now uh maggio the way he's uh portrayed in the in the reenactments like he's got this boston accent and i don't think it's really the best you know uh, accent it's kind of it's not really that it's not that genuine um but uh it just adds to the overall sort of uh in, in enjoyment of the, of this segment so over the next year maggio bounced back and forth from one job to another until he was able to get a sales position with an autograph dealer in manhattan when he attempted to cash a $1,500 check on his employer's account in 2001, a teller's routine authorization query led to the accusation that Maggio had embezzled $14,000 from the company by using forged authorization signatures. However, by the time the police were notified, the Maggios were on the run again. So, this shows that there are some places that have the authorization you know, stuff, but it's maybe it's not technically a background check. But it's another sort of, you know, thing, you know, for authorization and so on and so forth. Like an extra step, like other than, oh, you got a signature. Like you call the people, call the business up, ask them what's going on. And then they're like, no, I didn't authorize, you know, a check for that amount to, for him to cash. So maybe not background check, but like always make that, you know, that extra call to, to the company to see, you know, if this is a legit uh, scenario where the employee is, is asked by the employer to go in and cash this check. Yes. So- <laughs> that was my not paying attention, trying to fill the dead air response. Yeah, yeah. So um, throughout this segment, they I think they do interview uh, the what is it the the grandmother or the the yeah they interviewed the mother of uh, Molly yeah and of course she's like oh you know the whole typical like she wouldn't do that you know mm-hmm. yeah because and, uh, uh, you know the, the the parents who are interviewed the their the, their their kid would never kill themselves their kid would never do anything illegal their kid would never abandon their children their kid you know it's like the, they would never tell a lie yeah yeah the, my child was fucking perfect, okay? Anything you're accusing them of is just not... not it's not conceivable that this 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 per, uh, grown-ass adult who, yes, though might be my child, uh, there's no way that this person had a, a life of their own that I might not have known about, you know? I know every single thing about my kid, and they would not have done any of this stuff. Pretty much how I, I think, all parent interviews go on Unsolved yeah. Mysteries. I think, in all honesty, Molly liked it got off on it in some ways also like the money probably um i don't think it was just a simple case of oh you know like patty hurst or whatever you know stockholm syndrome or whatever with with this particular case i think she was along she went along with it um so, uh, by the time the police are notified, they were on the run again. While leaving, Maggio connect- contacted his landlord, saying he had to take Molly to the hospital. He asked the landlord to take care of their dog until they returned. When she entered their home, she discovered that the place had been trashed. The dog was just left behind and had, like, torn up the couch and everything. Um, that was really too bad. What are your thoughts on that? <laughs> My thoughts are... Um... 
I had to cram this episode before the podcast, and <laughs> by this point in the episode, I was setting up for the podcast and waiting, oh, okay. waiting for my energy drink to get cold enough for me to enjoy, so I was not paying attention to this part. Okay. Um, let's just talk about the hypothetical <laughs> scenario of being a landlord and dealing with something like this. Like, how, how do you think, uh, you know, how would you feel, you know, how, how do you think that would go? Because I'm pretty sure, like, being a landlord, it, you know, I've watched a few shows about, like, tenants and stuff like that. It's not all roses. Like, it, it, it some of it is, like, fucking awful, and it's just a, a nightmare to, uh, for, for, uh, for landlords to deal with, you know, for these type of tenants who just, like, oh, I'm going to... I'm going to uh, go do this, uh, but I'll be back, and then nope, and then the place is just trashed, and you're fucked, and you're out of money. Well, that's why the, that's why the uh, deposit is so important, you know, getting that. That's why... Yeah, the, the, but they ha- the way that things are set up is so fucked up nowadays, and it's been fucked up for years, where you can get it, you, you can, the, somebody can make a deposit, but... Just because they made that deposit, no matter, I think, even if it's not even the full amount of rent, because they paid you money, they are now a tenant in your in your apartment or in your, your home, and they have all these legal rights and all these legal protections that are given to them, even if they're not paying the rent, even if they're trashing the place, even if they're doing all this other shit. They legally have way too much protection. So you have all these instances where you have landlords who have tenants who are fucking flakes, who do this repeatedly over and over again to other, you know, places that are ran by other landlords. And it's just a cycle of well, just that's why they, people that's just why abusing most, the system. Most places that are set up correctly have it set up to where whenever you want to move into a new place... You have to pay first and last last month's rent up front, and then mm-hmm. you have to pay a deposit. So, for instance, when I moved into my house, rent at that time was nine hundred and eighteen a month, which I fucking miss that amount so much. Yeah. Uh, now it's like up to, like now it's like a hundred dollars more than that, pretty much. But yeah. um, so I had to come up to move into that house. I had to come up with. Uh, let me see here. Nine, nine, eighteen times three. I had to come up with pretty much two thousand seven hundred and fifty-four dollars because that that was first and last month's rent, and then a deposit. So if I decided to trash the place and they found out about it, they could you know evict me or whatever because I'd be breaking the rules of the contract because you're not supposed to do that. And they would take my 918 that I used for a deposit, and they would use uh-huh. that to, you know... No, but when it comes to the amount of damage, though, that a lot of these people cause, like, the deposit is not enough to cover it. Yeah, and, I see that. It depends on And at the same time, the, the way that the eviction rules are, like, it, it's... It, yes, you legally can, and if they break the contract, you can evict them. But because of the way that things are set up, it just takes way too long for that to happen. And uh, there's all these other protocols and all these other things that have to fall into place. Uh, tenants have way too much protection, uh, if you ask me. And, and I'm I, a part of me, I get why it's there. So, you know, 
bad landlords can't abuse the tenants. Okay, I understand, but there needs to be more of a middle ground here instead of like all of these protections for tenants who are just not who should not be there who should not be there anymore because they they've stopped paying their rent they've stopped doing this and 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 there are cases where it can go on for months mike this battle with the landlord mike the evil landlord i'm not evil what, go check out go check there there are there are so many horror shows out there like real life i'm not just talking about you know the movies like pacific heights and michael keaton i'm talking about like actual cases of tenants that you know just completely just wreck the place and you know make it so they in some instances they have to just you know stop being landlords because they can't afford it yeah, I've been a fucking amazing uh, tenant, so I know they love me. Probably they, they barely Good. they barely hear from me. Although they they will be hearing from me soon because there's the hole hole in my wall that uh I'm gonna hopefully pass off as uh, is 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 that the one that, 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 I, threw, <laughs> that I threw Stephanie through? Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm hoping I can. Well, okay. So that that wall is water damaged, and there's a separate hole that was purely caused from water damage. Oh, okay. But then there's another hole that me and Stephanie just totally made, and I <laughs> I'm gonna try to pass both holes off as water damage. Oh, oh, you're gonna be one of those tenants. Yeah, okay. yeah. So so that you know, so they'll just repair it for tisk, free. Tisk 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 Josh. Well, the wall. If the wall hadn't been so soft, I wouldn't have been able to ram her through it. In you know, in my defense, um, which doesn't really make the story sound that much better, but still, no. Can you imagine that? Like you're on trial, and it's like, well, in my defense, uh, you know, if the wall wasn't so weak, <laughs> if it hadn't been such a, such a, if it hadn't been such a pussy ass wall, that uh, <laughs> I wouldn't have made a hole. And for those of you who, who were wondering, that was Fourth of July last year. Anytime Stephanie gets drunk, she always wants to antagonize, and she always wants to wrestle. And uh, so she did this whole thing where she got on my back and started choking me. So I started slamming her into the wall, and she she went through the wall. And at that point, it was like, okay, we should probably uh, we should probably stop doing this because <laughs> now this is something I have to deal with. <laughs> yeah. And I've cho- I've chosen till just now to fucking deal with it. So, so anyway, uh, the Maggios uh, they left uh, their home. The landlord had to deal with all their bullshit, and uh, the detectives later discovered that Molly had purchased two airline tickets for a flight from New York to Los Angeles. But there have been no sightings of them on the West Coast. Molly has not contacted her daughter since 1999. Yeah, she left her daughter behind. So that's another reason why I think this is totally uh, uh, something that she was going along with. You know, she liked it. She, she was into the whole idea of being with this bad boy, John Maggio. And um, I mean, really, just to leave your kid behind, like. I've met some, I know one mom in particular who, uh, uh, she, yeah, she's pretty iffy on her kid. Like she, she, it's one of those things where it's like, of course I love my child, but at the same time, she's like, I, if I could go back, I would have not, I would have not had him. Okay. <laughs> like she's not, she's not, All she's right. not the biggest, she didn't want to be a parent, um, but it doesn't seem like that's the case with with Molly here, from what you've been hearing. So yeah, 
that's what makes it even more like, huh? But some people, man, they just get they get into this this relationship with somebody, and they just they just get so addicted to the thrill. It's it's just addictive. Um, and they lose track of a lot of other things in their life. So John Maggio is wanted for one count of bank fraud, but his wife Molly has not been charged with any crime. Police believe that she is with John, and they want to question her. So there actually is an update to this case. Uh, uh, Maggio was captured. A co-worker of John Maggio recognized him on a poster at the local post office and called the authorities. On July 24, 2003, he was arrested at the Chicago restaurant where he was working. He was returned to Alabama and charged with bank fraud and parole violation. He served two years in prison before being released. So he's he's out there. Two, committing more bank two fraud. whole years. Yeah. Wow. Molly Perez Maggio was located but was never charged in the case. Like, yeah, because you can't really charge her technically for anything, right? She just went on the run with him. Being, a, being just, an accomplice. I don't know. If they want to fuck, I guess. If they fuck with you, they'll fuck with you. Yeah. But she's not the one that was involved with the with the check fraud or any of that. She just went on the run with him. So there really isn't anything you can technically connect her to yeah. in terms of a crime. Okay. God, nothing beats a good fucking stretch. Jesus. That was a stretch gasm. Ah. Uh. All right. I thought you were all like, uh, you were just super excited that, you know, she got off. <laughs> like, oh, yes. Yeah, it sounded like I was getting off there probably, but uh, no, that was, that was a stretch. There is nothing you can charge her with. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. Justice <laughs> in my pants. Oh, man. All right. So I don't have anything else to say about this case. Uh, Nor do I. But I thought it was a nice, I thought it was a nice mixed, um, uh, you know, bag of nuts with all these different sort of uh, crimes that he was he was committing. You said nuts. <laughs> I like nuts. Shut up, Beavis. Um, all right, so now it's time for everyone's favorite part of the podcast: the perks of being a Josh Flower. Yeah. With fifteen-year-old Josh would write in his online diary on Zanga.com every day. He was overweight, unpopular, and chicks totally did not dig him. How did that make him feel? Well, we're about to find out. Okay, Miscavige. I guess you chose a completely different career. That's a, quite a quite a career move you made there. I read <laughs> online journals from ten years ago from teenagers. Um, no, uh, Monday, August sixteenth, two thousand and four. School sucks. It sucks. 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 <laughs> I love Lisa. She makes me feel better. And I love Jelly Booty because I like making that Jelly Booty bounce. What the fuck? Okay, so I will explain. And apparently this week I liked Lisa. Oh, I am for sure doing her wedding, by the way. Oh, good. The, the chick who I randomly reached out redemption. to. Redemption. Yeah, right? The redemption of Lisa. And I'm thinking about even during the toast, I'm thinking about uh, like making some speech about this whole segment and how I found her, you know, reconnected with her and shit. I think yeah. that'd be funny. So Jelly Booty was a uh, nickname that I gave to my friend Stephanie at the time, who I've uh, who oh, okay. I've brought up on this online journal. Okay. Stephanie was my best friend back then. I It was one of those uh, 
uh, eternal lovers quarrels where I liked her and she didn't uh-huh. like me that way. And didn't you? Don't you find it interesting that one of your closest, you know, friends now is another Stephanie? Right? Is this yeah. kind of like just always, you know, drawn to these Stephanies? Yeah, I mean, fate. The only other Stephanie I knew was a chick named. Um, well, I'm not gonna say her last name, but her, anyway, her her name was uh, uh-huh. her name was also Stephanie. And she, God, she was hot. I don't think I've ever. I don't know if I've ever met an unattractive Stephanie. I actually reached back out to Stephanie as well, the one in these uh, uh-huh. diaries, and we were, we've been talking on Instagram and shit. Oh, cool! She's like married and Cal- living in California. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I always used to say stupid shit like je- make that jelly booty bounce. I never fucked her, so the jelly booty never d- bounced. But apparently, she had a nice <laughs> ass back then. Probably, All probably right, still I, does. I just love the whole like you know the. What's become a typical uh, Josh Flower diary, you know, thing where it's just school sucks. Yeah, sucks. Yep. Anger, <laughs> puberty, just flaming inside of me. Uh, uh, now we're moving on, and then it's like I like this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, now we're moving on to Wednesday, August eighteenth, two thousand and four. Holy shit! This day is fucking sucked. <laughs> <laughs> my dad's company is shutting down so he's gonna be out of a job now by november 5th this is the bu- this is bugging the hell out of me damn i don't feel like talking about this dot dot but dot. you're gonna talk about it anyway nope that's all i said <laughs> um oh he didn't own a Fine. first of all it wasn't his company well i mean i guess it, he worked for a company he never it's it made it sound like his company that he yeah but no my dad was never that ambitious in life to own because own. that would be really that you know that would really yeah, that would be really suck. bad i mean Losing losing the job still sucks, but like losing a job that like it's your company, you know that's 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 mountains of debt. That's like that's really, you know, that could be what is providing you know the mortgage and all of that for for the home and and stuff like that. I wish my dad had taken the time to explain to me at that age that hey, there's such a thing as like severance packages and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. He just said, oh yeah, they let me go and now I don't have a job and. You know, meanwhile, there's all this other stuff going on, you know, where he was going to be just fine. And my mom was always the main breadwinner anyway in our family. My dad, my dad made like almost half as much as my mom made. So, you know, together they they made a good living with their combined income. But my mom always made more. So. Um, So, yeah, that was Wednesday, August 18th, 2004 in my life. And so now we move on to what else sucks. Yeah. (laughs) Uh... You don't talk about th- things, uh, you know, that suck nearly as much in your life, I've noticed. No, I know. I need to get back on that. <laughs> on Saturday, August 28th, I just put penis. <laughs> what? Okay. I made an entry on my birthday, Thursday, September 2nd, 2004. I just wrote, Ica Prick and Iron Pussy. Iron Pussy? Which was the name of a song on Fruity Loops that someone else had made. And I oh, just, okay. Whatever. I was like, what is this, a porn parody of Iron Maiden? <laughs> so, Tuesday, September 7th, 2004. Ah, they canceled our show! This sucks! <laughs> the weather today was rain! Wow! Big freaking deal! I'm so fucking tired of hurricanes ruining my damn weekend. Why can't they fucking hit in the middle of the damn school week? Ah, I'm so pissed slash bored today. <laughs> That's true, though, oh, man. man. Why couldn't that? The hurricane never, it seemed to never fuck up the, our school days. It only seemed to fuck up the weekend. 
for those of you who experience hurricanes, which isn't many of you, but I live in Florida, so. Oh, I mean, it's a hurricane, so I mean, they're not. <laughs> they just, they just, they just show up whenever. They just wreck shit, and they're, they're like the guy who comes in the room and just starts wrecking shit out of nowhere. And you're like, "What the fuck, man? Like, couldn't you chose some other time to do this?" Yeah. Well, I mean, there is a hurricane season, so there's a time when they are to yeah. be expected, and then times where they well, yeah, kind of but fuck off. you know, they're expected, but like you still don't know precisely when when they're gonna hit and where they're gonna hit uh like most you know weather including you know hey you can make a prediction it's gonna rain but it doesn't necessarily mean that it will and then there's times where you know they'll say oh it's sunny it's gonna be a sunny day and then like it rains so but no that's a typical sort of like you're angry at the weather like ah just shaking (laughs) shaking your fist oh it sucks so mad (laughs) angry angsty teen yells at cloud yeah <laughs> so now we got done uh now now we're at sunday september 12 2004 i just got done talking to stephanie and she's being kind of stupid right now i don't even think she wants to go out with me which is very frustrating because i thought i'd gotten so far with her and then she's just like not even wanting to break up with her boyfriend which sounds really selfish to me but dude it's not like they're married this whole situation is stupid. I hate life. It's so gay. And school t- is tomorrow. That was that's gonna be so gay. This weekend I should be going over to Zach's house. Um, that's about it. So I'm out. Wow, three entries in one day. Okay. Crammed in as many uh, homophobic references there. Yeah, as as you as you could. Oh, and then apparently Monday, September 13th, when school was in, uh, Josh had something to say later on that night. I'm so... Wow, going for the record. I'm so tired of girls. I think I'm burned out. I can't do it anymore. They are stupid. I told Steph I didn't think we should go out because, one, I have school and band and crap. And... (laughs) School and band (laughs) and crap. And two, we live like a million yeah. miles away from each other. She lived like fifteen minutes away from me. I was such a oh, wow. I was such a baby. And three, she doesn't want to break it off with Ian. Uh, and four, she's not even into me. I don't think. I'm pretty sure she wants to just be friends too. So you basically just said, uh, uh, "This is one of those weird scenarios where you're just sit- sitting with her and you're like, uh." Stephanie, I don't think we should go out. I don't think we should go out together. Uh, I, I don't think that would be good. You know, and it's just like, I, she's looking at you like, what the fuck? <laughs> it's it's that kind of thing, right? That's what I, it like, seems how, like. I like how I, I like how I, t- I told in this journal entry, I said, I told Steph, I don't think we should go out. And then yeah. one of my, and then one of my reasons for why I don't think we should go out is because she's still dating she's dating someone and she doesn't know, exactly. she doesn't want to break up with them and then another and reason then she's not she's not me. even into me so it's like Stephanie I don't think you and I should date because you're not intro in, you're not into me and you're you already have a boy it's like wow dude you need to go back to the special <laughs> home because I don't think you're quite ready for mainstream society yet yeah that that was that was pretty that Jesus was pretty, dude you talk about like girls are stupid and then like and you know, the, then like, exhibit A. The funny thing was, like, when I was a teenager, like, I literally thought I was like smarter than everyone else. 
I really did. I really thought I was smarter than like hey, everybody else. Most teenagers, you know, have felt that way. You know, I didn't learn that, you know, my parents were actually doing the right thing and trying to help me and so on and so forth until like years later because I thought I knew all the answers. I thought it was like, oh, I, you know, I don't need your help. Fuck you. <laughs> yeah, pretty much me too. I'm school of hard knocks. Yeah. I got to learn everything the hard way. Um, I'm pretty sure. Uh, so going back to this, I'm pretty sure she just wants to be friends too. And like whenever we go out, like everything she says to me annoys me in some way. Like for instance, last night I said the word nah. And she goes, why did you say nah? It sounded and she says an ethnic slur that I'm not even going to repeat. And it's like, what the hell? I'm allowed to say whatever I want. And I don't even think I love anybody. I don't like anybody. I would love to make out and fuck, but that's just, but that's it. Just not love. Or, or that's lust. That's just, I'm okay. trying to navigate through my shitty writing here. And I love how I went from like, I, I went from her annoying me and apparently being a slightly racist to, um, uh, talking about how I don't want to love anybody and I just want to fuck. And I said, I feel raped of feelings now anyway. I feel like a... Oh my God. I feel like a wow. fucking shell the past few days, so I'm out, bitch. And just, uh, you know, not just one hair flip there. Multiple. Like double hair flip. Yeah, multiple hair flips at the end of that one. Because you know, he had to be like, I'm out, bitch. And like, the fucking weirdest part about all of this is that i know for a fact that stephanie had a zanga as well and uh -huh. and we were friends on there and she was yeah. seeing every last bit of this like same with the chick casey who will come up later uh -huh. later in my life in these yeah. diaries casey also had a zanga who could see they could read everything i was fucking posting and it's like I, that apparently didn't bother me. I was going to say whatever the fuck I wanted to say. I don't care if you see it or not. Okay, this is the last one I'll read for this this time, and then we'll wrap it up. Uh, Monday, September 20th, 2004. Okay, this is, like, really pissing me off. I keep having these weird thoughts. Yeah, I know, I'm fucking crazy, whatever you want to call me. I keep having these thoughts of a girl getting tied up and tortured by, like, this demon thing. Ooh. It's kind of weird. Ooh. It's really weird. And then last night when I tried oh. to sleep, all these psycho thoughts popped into my head. It's like, what the fucking hell did I do for these gay-ass thoughts to enter my head? <laughs> Just using that word in that context. I know. It's only something a mentally handicapped teenager like myself would have done. That's not terrifying, not horrifying, gay, not disturbing. Gay ass. <laughs> so, all right. So, like, that kind of fucked up my whole day today and yesterday, and I kept searching through my brain to figure out where the fuck that thought came from, and the only thing I can remember, uh, I can come up with is this video I watched about a Salem witch trial, a video I watched about bondage and shit, House of a Thousand Corpses movie, combine them all together, and, ah. and that's what the thought I had. So where did this thought come from? Why? And why did it pop up out of fucking nowhere on the way home? Was it because my mind was bored? Am I being possessed or something? This may sound crazy <laughs> to you, but this shit goes. This is the shit that goes through my head. Well, oh my God. leave comments of some sort. Yeah, I know. This was a weird entry. Okay, bye. <laughs> I'm surprised there's not like more that, you know, there's more after this. That'd be funny. There's more after this. I, I swear I think I'm possessed. <laughs> 
Yeah, oh, so I, I, uh, I, yeah, I used to have fucked up thoughts. I don't, re- I really, I'm, I'm glad to say I don't remember that. Hey, people have overactive imaginations around that age. So, you know, sometimes there's just a lot of, you know, something could just trigger it. And then you just have these weird, you know, dreams or these weird, you know, stuff that pops in your head. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're crazy. Uh, but I could definitely see why, you know, young Josh was like, what the fuck, man? Like, what is going on here? Like, most people would be like, huh? Because, you know, that that's happened, that doesn't happen very often to me, but I've had some thoughts, you know, but a lot of that comes with stress. So you might have just been stressed out. And then on top of that, you had the whole, you know, uh, imagery that you saw or whatever. Um, have you seen a thousand, a thousand corpses since? Yeah, I think I have. That is a pretty dark movie. Uh, that was the, the Rob um, Zombie one, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. With I think Captain Spaulding is that what, is that the fucking guy's name is the um I I would say it's a, I I honestly would say that was my personal favorite of his in terms of his films I, I haven't seen it in a long time though but i saw it with my dad on vhs i mean i i, I, I still have teenager. i still have random fucked up thoughts but i finally like realized that if you just kind of let if you just kind of embrace the thought and you don't try to like react to it and mm-hmm. you just kind of you just kind of go with the flow, like, okay, this is a fucked up thought. I'm just going to let it exist in my head. I'm not going to fight it. Like, I found that, like, that really takes a, a, a lot of the power away. Yeah. For for what I do, if I have something like that, I'm just like, dude, like, what? Like, I just pause, you know, and, and you know, maybe, you know, it sounds crazy when you, you know, oh, you talk to yourself or whatever. But, you know, it's just like when I'm alone or something and if something pops in there, I'd be like, now, now. No, you know, like you're telling you're you're like telling yourself like, uh, uh-uh. <laughs> uh, and that 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 uh that tends to work for me, because you know, like sometimes you'll get random thoughts of like, like why would the hell would I want to do that? Like like why? No. <laughs> yeah, like I mean, I'm not doing that. Like like. I'm not walking in front of traffic. What the fuck? I'm not that depressed. Yeah, exa- exactly. And, w- and the, yeah, and and this guy broke it down so genius one time because I I used to, and this this is a form of OCD. It can be. It's called pure O, uh-huh. pure obsession. Yeah. You don't have you don't necessarily have any compulsions, but you have these intrusive thoughts that give you a lot of anxiety. And for instance, this guy, this professor, he would talk about how he had this these problems where he would be in the subway waiting for the train to come. And he's like, what if I just jumped in front of the subway, you know, and it would just really fuck with him. Cause it was like such a, a, a crazy thought and it would make him so fearful. Like, Oh my God, am I going crazy? Am I suicidal? And mm-hmm. um, then after he breaks every, he broke everything down. He, 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 um, he finally kind of gave you the solution to those crazy thoughts. And it's worked for me ever since. Uh, he yeah. goes from now on, anytime I have a crazy thought, I think to myself, yes, I can do that. I I could jump in front of the train, but do I want to do that? And and no. of course, the answer is always no. You don't want to do it. And then when you're able to make that distinguishment that yes, I could do that, but then you have to search your heart and be like, do do you really want to do that though? And it's like, well, no, I don't. Well, okay, yeah, that's then. basically Just a thought. that's ba- 
yeah, that's basically what I do. I'm just like it just pops some of that that stuff pops in there, and then you're and you just like uh uh-uh. uh. I thought about um nah. getting violent with this one guy who um he accused uh, he he accused me of uh he said that I looked like this guy who's a known sex offender in Jacksonville, uh-huh. and he thought he yeah. thought I was the guy. Ooh yeah, and, yeah. I think you told me about that. Yeah, yeah. And I wasn't. And it was clear that I wasn't, and it was almost insulting that he would even compare me to this pile of human garbage that because I look nothing like the guy, and it's almost it was almost like he was dissing me, you know, like to even to even be that stupid that you would make that comparison. And the more I thought about it, you know, and he was being super like 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 uh insinuating with his tone, like, yeah, you know, before I came and you know, before we took you out back, you know, we want I want to talk to you first and, you know, give you a chance to, like, you know, give your side of it. And blah, blah. Like, basically, he was making all these veiled threats of, like, me and my, my gang were going to kick your ass. But before uh-huh. that happened, I wanted to make sure you're the right guy because it would be a shame to beat someone's ass if they're not the right guy. And I'm like, yeah, it's, it's yeah. a fucking lawsuit. You motherfucker, if you touch me. It's a felony. Yeah, like, you can't just go around hitting people just because you're in a gang and you're a bunch of tough guys. Sorry, you can't. It's not the movies. Right, exactly. <laughs> there, there are real-life consequences to that. And and, and and we don't live in the Wild West anymore where you could just, like, you But, know, yeah, the more I start, the more I start thinking about that guy, you know, the more I start thinking, it's like, well, dude, you know, not only by, like, you accusing me of that, like, you could have potentially ruined my fucking reputation. Cause like, what if that got mm-hmm. around to other people, you know, who knew me or whatever, and, and and this this false kind of like thing starts, especially in today's society, yeah, it starts where attaching it's, you know, itself to me. until innocent. Uh, now, now, granted, that, that didn't happen, thankfully, because I mean, to anyone who has a fucking brain in their head, I look nothing like the guy he was comparing me to. But uh, just the fact that like he did that, I started like I don't know. The other day, I just started getting these really scary, like violent thoughts about like you know things that I wanted. to you know do beat his ass and then i was like (laughs) i had to do i had to go through that series of questions with myself it's like you could do this but do you really want to and i was like no no i don't but at the same time like could you really do this like some of that is like could you really do that well i mean i'm not going in depth i'm not going into details about i know but i'm just saying like some of the stuff that you know kind of pops into your head like you can also take a pause and be like i can't do that I, i i mean I'm a fucking twig. I get my ass beat. Like, what am what am I thinking? Like, no. My <laughs> my know? violence didn't uh, my but, violence yeah. didn't involve fists. It involved oh, okay. other things. Well, well, yeah. I mean, then you could probably. Do that. That's what I'm saying. Um, but yeah, it's one of those things where you know people have dark thoughts. It's not uh, if it's if you have them like consistently, like over and over, like every day. Then that, that might be a point where it'd be like, uh, maybe I should talk to somebody about it or something um but like if it's like every now and then you know pe- people let's be honest we're kind of weird we're not you know <laughs> our brains are weird yeah no there's so many mechanisms that are left over from when we were more primordial and more more neanderthal kind of you know that but i feel you about like wanting you know to you know do something to people who accuse you of shit i hate it when people assume things about me uh, you know, and, and that would be pretty awful. Like I've had, you know, it's very minor in comparison, but 
you know, the people who still assume shit about me and make shit up on YouTube and make hate videos and crap. Like, I've thought about, like, you know, in the past, you know, like, sometimes thoughts will pop in and you find out where they live. Yeah, yeah. Beat them you up go or down whatever. whole fantasy. But, but it's like, eh, fuck, just, just don't even acknowledge it. Just be like, whatever, people are just lame sometimes. Well, you know, it's the whole thing. Don't give him any power. It's it's as cliche and corny as all hell, but living well is the best revenge is such a good it's such a good quote because it is so true because if you just if you just like kick ass at life and you just kind of live your dream and do the thing you want to do, all your all those people, they're either going to be super jealous of you and and they're just going to that's going to eat at them like every day. Or they're going to continue being losers who they may not even think about you and what you're doing and your success, but they themselves are doing nothing. And, um, you know, it's all about perspective, you know, even if because I think like the whole like, oh, like I'll make it big and then, you know, you'll be jealous of me, you know, I'll be super popular and I'll make all this money. You know, that in a lot of ways, that's kind of a, a, a potentially destructive sort of thing. Because you're setting yourself up for like this this goal that you know you may never reach. Yeah. So that shouldn't be uh, your primary. Um, uh, that's your, no. your primary reason for doing. Like, I'll this. show you. You know that right. sort of. You know. I, deal. I'm not gonna lie though. It is a nice little fringe benefit that comes along. Oh, with yeah. When you start kind of getting more yeah. n- notice and more accolades, it is it is mm-hmm. a nice little fringe benefit when you're able to. You're like, yeah, yeah, what do you think I'd about like, that, I, bitch? I scored an interview with a, with a screenwriter. You haven't done shit, so fuck off. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is sort of that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it, but it, it it's not necessarily healthy either. So, no, you know. no, but I, I am a very petty bitch, Mike. That's what you, that's what you forget. <laughs> you underestimate my level of petty. Um, I mean, I'm in, I'm petty to the point to where I remember every, I remember almost every single insult that anyone has ever said to me ever. Wow. So I remember some, and I look back at them like, cause I was a kid and I didn't know any better and I just, people were picking on me and I just, I, I didn't like it. So, you know, I, I put more power into those insults than, than I do now. Like, you know, it's just lame. Like calling me brownie or whatever, uh. fucking four eyes and all that shit. It's like nowadays, like I'm like that's that was those are fucking lame ass insults. Like, why did that bother me so much? Yeah, now now you know? it's the more uh, adult insults that 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 hurt you. It's like, uh, you know, Mike, you're a selfish prick, or you're you're yeah. a narcissist, or it, where they dig mm-hmm. at your personality and you know make you or they or they just assume shit and be like, you know, oh, you know, you 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 can't handle different opinions mm-hmm. and blah 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 blah, you know. And then you're like, uh, that's the stuff that gets in your And then you're, skin you're just sitting there going, uh, can you go back to calling me four eyes? Because those insults are a lot <laughs> easier to deal with than uh, this other bullshit you're saying. No, I recently got an exchange with a guy in a Facebook group. He was just trolling all these different people because he made a post where he was trying to out somebody as a scammer. But really what was going on is there was an understandable delay with the shipping for his item because of the fucking insanity that's going on right now in the postal service because of all the restrictions and shit. Yeah. I'm suffering that and, right now. And so he was all like super fucking trying to you know, say this he's a scammer and he's getting roasted by people in the comment section are like, uh dude, like he's not scamming you. You're just being an asshole. And, you know, then he's just going trying to troll people and he's insulting their looks 
And I was just, I was like, dude, like there is nothing you can tell me that I haven't heard already. I've been on the internet for over <laughs> a, a decade. I've heard every insult. I've heard everything. There isn't a single damn thing that you could tell me uh, in terms of an insult that's going to have any effect on me. So I know it, it, you, you can try. It ain't going to work. And like he didn't fucking respond after that point because I was like, there ain't no fucking nothing you can say. Yeah. Like I've heard it all. If you've been on the internet and you and you've been and you put yourself out there, you know, especially you know on camera, like you've heard all that fucking shit. Oh yeah, the, the you know glass eyed fucking you know making fun of you for your looks and like oh like you don't get any. Oh yeah, like, yeah, oh, absolutely. Really... Yep, yep. They, I mean, <laughs> I, I go on there with colored hair, a lip ring, an eyebrow ring, and tattoos. Yeah. So you know, instantly I'm gay. Uh, I'm mm-hmm. uh, my oh that uh, 2004 called. They want their hair cut back. Uh, fucking uh, g- grow up. Stop living. The my favorite one is when they accuse me of living at my mom's house. It's like bitch. I pay all my own bills. Live yeah. in my own house. But but even even that insult. Like yes, I do live with my mom. But uh, <laughs> that's not even really much of an insult nowadays because so many fucking people live with their parents. Uh, more so than you know, back in you know the day. Shit, it makes because all kinds of so sense now. Because diffi- it's so fucking difficult to actually afford to get your own place. Because especially in certain you know places in the country, like you know certain cities and certain you know markets, it's like you got to get like three jobs, you know, to be able to you know afford a place of your own. Yeah, no. It's... And then, how much of a life are you really having then? If you're working like three fucking jobs and barely have any time off, and you're just spending all your time, you know, paying bills and you know, and 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 and, and working, it's just like fuck. Yeah, I don't. I'll never spite anyone for living with. I mean, I, I used to think when I was living with my parents, like that was, uh, of course, being the Josh Flower that I am. I was like, that's uh-huh. one of my big problems, man, is that I live with my fucking parents. Blah blah. Shit. Now, if I could go back and you know re-examine that whole thing, like if that's where, if that's what you're feeling in your heart, in in your life, where you're at, it doesn't matter what anyone says. If if that's what you're feeling and you feel like that's the right thing for you, then who gives a shit? Yeah, I don't make enough fucking money to be able to right now to to you know live on my own. Yeah, I mean, it just isn't realistic. There's, no, there's so. no shame in it. I mean, it's 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 so fucking hard out there. Uh, there's so many bills that that you know you have to make so much fucking money. It's 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 insane. I mean, I I don't even. I'm surprised I've done it on my own for three years. You know, I'm really like proud of myself that I'm able to. Yeah, to make that happen, but it's it hasn't always been easy. But it's for me, it's been worth it because I really. There's probably been times where it's it's just ramen, right? It's just it's just you know like no, for, honestly, for food, it's just like see, that was the thing though. Like I was never yeah. I was never super irresponsible to where it's like I'm getting out of this house and I don't care what it takes and I don't have a plan. Like I was always like super yeah pragmatic with everything that I did. I was like okay. Yeah. You know, I waited until I, I think I had like five weekly gigs uh, yeah. DJing. And, that, That's and then I was like, okay, I'm making, you know, such and such amount every month. I yeah. can definitely afford to move out, move out That's, now. you know, my plan is to save up and, you know, see what happens and maybe get a second job or another, you know, full-time job, you know, that maybe pays better, you know, at yeah. the, 
you know, sometime next year. But like for right now, I'm not. I'm in no hurry. I waited to move until because I I don't got shit. Yeah. I can't fucking. You know, I, I, I'm so grateful for my parents and, you know, and for what, you know, they're allowing me to do and, and, and so on and so forth. So, yeah, I waited until I it think was it also, undeniable that I could move out. It's yeah. like, it is undeniable with the amount of money that I made yeah. that I, you I know, could do it. I could do it. Like, if you, if you can't do it, then it's like, uh, yeah, you're putting, a, you know, there's, there's a lot of especially things. sometimes people. Yeah, they have their uh, group where they can make it work. Oh, I'll just move in with my friend or, you know, we'll get, you know, an apartment together or something, you know, and da, 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 da. But like, if you don't have that, then you're fucked, man. Like, yeah. Especially the initial, uh, move in because there's so many fees and get it like, uh, even getting like your electric turned on, that's a fee. And, uh, there's so many fees and renting uh, a house for the, first time and they have to do a credit check on you and then there's fees with getting internet hooked up and i mean it's just there's a lot of initial fees that that really i mean you have to have a lot of shit i mean once you're moved in you just have your monthly stuff if you did a zanga page it would just be like fuck fees man (laughs) this is bullshit i had to i called comcast on sunday and there and it's tuesday and they're still not here i'm so pissed (laughs) <laughs> oh, yeah, it would be fun. It'd be fun to see Josh, uh, teenage Josh, in uh, t- twenty twenty. Oh yeah. God, I'd have so much to bitch about. <laughs> Jeez, I wasn't even able to go to my prom because, which is bullshit. Because I might have met a girl, but now I'll never know. Not like a girl would have even fucked with me anyway, because I'm so <laughs> fat. But at least I could have seen. This sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank God that 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 Josh has long uh, 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 withered withered back <laughs> into into my soul, I guess, and died. Hopefully, uh, he's still there. He comes out every now and then. Yeah, maybe. That's that's just how it is, you know. With 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 uh, with people, you know. There's always that side of side of you that you know you want to get rid of it, but it's it, it lingers. It'll pop up every now and then. Speaking of lingering, this podcast sure is lingering. Um, yeah. All right, guys. Well, that is that is it. <laughs> That's the show. Uh, if you want to support us on Patreon, you can do so by going to patreon.com slash uncovering unexplained mysteries for $1 a month. You get a nice slap on the ass and a wink and a good job there, buddy boy. For $3 a month, you get the podcast early, usually a two, three, sometimes four days early. And for $5, you get what you heard today, us um, kind of muddling through an article, reading it poorly, and uh, not having as much interest on the topic as we maybe should have had, but we still did it. So contractually, uh, you still have to pay me because I perform. (laughs) You never said in the contract I had to have a good attitude while doing it. You just said I had to do it. So anyway, that's Patreon. Don't you want to give us money after hearing that? I mean, I think that I sold us pretty good personally. Um, me and Mike have YouTube channels. If you just can't get enough of us here, and you want us, to, you want us, you want to break us apart and get us separately, you can kind of get more of a feel for each of our own unique personalities. You can find Mike's YouTube channel by going to youtube.com/ocpcommunications. He's the movie guy. He likes the cinematic pictures. 
with the pitches that move quick to create the illusion of motion. Uh, what was the last video you did on your channel there, Michelle? So uh, the last review I did is of, is of Detroit Rock City. Apparently has a really big fan base. and That's based uh, off the Kiss song, just... no? Uh, not really. It's a, it's a 70s uh, throwback kind of, you know, com not kind of comedy. It's a 70s throwback comedy with, you know, in a lot of ways it's like a stoner comedy. And uh, Kiss is barely even in the movie. They're only in it for like five minutes or less. That's crazy, seeing as it's based on... The name of and then there's like four four kiss songs if that throughout the entire film and then there's like there's even a sequence where they arrive in detroit and instead of a kiss song playing they play cheap trick surrender which i i didn't really think that fit um and I, I heard like, oh, there's a reason why they weren't in it that much. But I'm like, what? Because Kiss wanted to be lazy and didn't want to, you know, be around for more than one day of shooting. It was probably knowing Kiss. It was either a because G that Gene and Paul were asking for too much money, or b uh, Ace Freely and Peter Chris were too fucked up on drugs and alcohol <laughs> to uh, put on their makeup and s say coherent sentences. Well, they did put on their makeup. And there's publicity photos with them, with the main cast. The thing is, also in this kind of movie, they they don't even get to meet Kiss in the film. There's publicity photos of them, like, hanging out oh, with Kiss. Oh, was that the whole goal but of the it, movie? Well, the whole goal was them to get to the concert. So they get to the concert. But if you think about it, it's like, it's one of those uh, wish fulfillment kind of movies. Where it's like, oh man, Kiss is awesome. You know, we idolize, you know, they're idols, man. So it's like, why don't you just have them get to meet them? Like, I mean, this is a fantasy anyway. So why why, why not have that moment? But I just felt as a comedy, it wasn't really as funny as it could have been. And I had other issues with it. And, you know, I had people like, oh, you think way too technically, like about a film is supposed to be just dumb fun or whatever or just supposed to be fun and i'm like that's just who i am yeah. like i'm not gonna give it a pass because oh it's just supposed to be a dumb comedy like like i i, I reviewed uh fast times of ridgemont high that's kind of a dumb comedy too but but i i really liked that one i thought i i, I really thought that was a great film for what it was because a lot of you know better characters better writing hey and if you want to talk about dumb comedies rock and roll I mean, fuck, I like Airheads. Damn. With, uh, with, with Brendan Detroit Fraser. Detroit Rock City came out in fucking 99? Yeah. Holy shit, I thought that was like a movie from the 70s. No, it's a 99. Well, it takes place in right, the 70s. Right, but I thought it was like made in that time. Okay, so yeah. No. So Yeah, so by 1999, like, I wonder if the real Peter and Ace were even... Well, they were they were uh, they were reunited. They were doing their reunion yeah. shit by that point. So yeah, that was probably really them. So maybe they were just busy with the reunion tour. But I mean, they could have just shot like a, a day or two more, and they probably would have. You know, then you'd have more stuff with Kiss. I don't. I don't. It just seems like I don't. I don't know why. Yeah. And because they they also were uh, attached as producers of the film. So that makes it. Oh, even I'm more sure Gene and me. Paul had all kinds of fucking notes and input. They're so, they're so fucking, 
I mean, you think John and Terry's bad with their brand. God, yeah. Gene and Paul are just. That's why there. That's why there was no like uh, hard satire of their image. Thing. Oh, Cause, you oh, know, yeah, absolutely no. That. They're not gonna no. They're not gonna be down with that at all. Hell no. I would have loved to have seen that because I think that would have been funny. You know, and I think it is. They, you know, they're ridiculous. They don't view- like their whole image was ridiculous back then. It really is. But they view it as like. Hell yeah, we're ridiculous, and we're gonna put on the best damn show you've ever seen. And that's fine. They don't. They don't and, see and it I as like the, you guys are literally like not taken seriously by a lot of people. That's why I think it, it's just a missed opportunity to have. You could have those satire elements of their image, but then at the same time show why they're so cool and why people like them. I I as think much as they did. I I thought Kiss was the corniest, shittiest band ever growing <laughs> up. I hated rock and roll yeah. all night. I didn't think there was uh-huh. anything redeemable about the band. I didn't get it, quote unquote. Yeah. And for whatever reason, Paul Stanley's audiobook came up on a suggested video on YouTube one time uh-huh. and I listened to it and I was like, oh, this guy speaks really like intellectually and I uh-huh. like the stuff he's saying, so I like listened to the whole audiobook. And just listen to listening to his audiobook made me want to like dive into Kiss and listen to yeah. you know, well, what other songs they have. And they they have some songs I do genuinely like. Uh Love Gun is probably my favorite one. Yeah, but that one's that one is actually in this oh, movie, nice. and it's used in the opening credits, and that's like one of the best parts. Oh yeah, do 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 Yeah, that's a that's a kickass. Yeah, song. it creates this really uh, awesome nostalgia, you know, seventies nostalgia in the opening credits with like news footage and you know with Love Gun and and footage of Kiss on you know on stage. So like that was hell. That their uh, really their nineteen ninety eight album Psycho Circus. Atmosphere. I liked that album a lot. The one that horrible video game was based yeah. off of. Um, <laughs> I liked I liked uh-huh. that album. Um, you know, so, so I mean, I I get I get Kiss now, and I and I think they look cool. What do you think about like with Kiss? Like, do you? I I think they look cool too. But I'm just saying, like, in terms of their image. And in terms of just how crazy things got in that time period in the late seventies, like how crazy their popularity was like it got to the point where it was honestly a little bit not just a little bit ridiculous like really ridiculous like in terms of just how you know far reaching their popularity human like how they human were on everything respond to brands kiss mm-hmm. uh K- K- kisses management team who was handling them in the beginning saw what they were doing and 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 were ingenious in like bill o'coin their manager and bill o'coin's mm-hmm. partner were able to take the raw idea that the four guys had and really just take it to the next level and market it, yeah. it market it really intelligently. It was Bill O'Coin who came up with the idea to do all the yeah. kiss. It, it was Gene Simmons likes to walk around and say he was the genius and he likes to give the paid speeches where he advises, you know, uh, these big wigs on how to build their brand. Uh-huh. But, uh-huh. None of it was Gene Simmons' idea. Gene Simmons just kind of jumped on the train when it was already rolling. He's like, oh, well, what if we did Kiss Coffins and Kiss Toilet Paper? Uh-huh. But it was Bill yeah. O'Coin who did the whole marketing thing from the get-go. And they had very distinguishable uh, looks from all the other yeah. bands at the time. Although the, I, the I, music was very similar. It was just, you uh-huh. know, old-school classic rock and roll kind of blues based rock um i think also with uh with kiss there's a bit of metal there and i think there's a lot of like you know there's a lot of like metal fans who like hate kiss you know because of all the converse you know the interviews with 
you know, Gene or Paul, you know, and so on and so forth. And, you know, they hate it when anybody tries to tie metal in any way to kiss. Uh, yeah, but I, I don't think... really hear them. I don't really hear the metal. I mean, they do have, they, yeah. they have, I'd say they're like har- classic hard rock is how I would. Yeah, they are. They are classic yeah. hard rock, but I'm just saying there are, there are some elements, you know, in terms of their, the, their concerts in particular, you know, there is some metal aspect of that because you could see uh, Alice Cooper borrow some of that, you know, the onstage, you know, sort of things. Shit, they borrowed, they borrowed from Alice Cooper. Alice Cooper was doing yeah. his thing before Kiss. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but he wasn't necessarily going as, like, there's certain things that Alice was doing that he did later on. Um, but, you know, it, it's, you know, the theatrics and Mike, stuff I like hope that. Mike, I hope you plan on petting that sweet little cat in the background after the podcast. Oh, he just wants to be fed. Oh, okay. That's all that is. Oh, those are just, that's just uh, trying to gain sympathy from the listeners. Yes, yes, yes. That's that's feed me. That's the feed me tone. <laughs> all right, well, uh, go to Mike's YouTube channel if you want to hear more about that movie and all the other videos he's done. If you want to check out my YouTube channel, it is youtube.com slash dancing with ghosts. Dancing with ghosts. Multiple ghosts, not just one. Um, the last video I did was uh, another one of my ranking videos where I rank a band's albums from A to F, essentially. Um, and the band is Blink-182. I rate all their albums from the very beginning, uh, Cheshire Cat, to the most recent album, Nine. And I talk about the departure of Tom DeLong and uh, the, them replacing Tom with the uh, Alkaline Trio lead singer Matt Skiba. And um, <laughs> I talk about how they're set. Sa- he definitely does not like. I, I do not like the Skiba years of Blink One Eight Two. Um, I, I, the, you know, Blink One Eight Two is one of those bands that I definitely grew up with, and I feel like once Tom left the band, they they're just like, fuck it, let's just get the bag, you know, let's get that money. Yeah. Anyway, uh, that's the end of the podcast, guys. Uh, until next time, have a good rest of your night. Bye. See ya. All right, this is an acceptable drinking temperature. When I first opened the can up, I was like, fuck, oh, fuck that noise. This is way too warm. Oh, my God. Uh, I just, just, that's just such a, I just hoity-toity kind of pretentious kind of thing. What? I'm just imagining you with a monocle. No, I'm just, about, you know, just like, this is an Do you like drinking warm soda, Mike? No, 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 I don't. It's just the way that you said it. It just, it's just, I thought it was kind of funny. Because I'm just imagining, I'm not saying that, like, that's, you know, uh, bad or anything. Uh, don't just don't be jealous funny. of me because I know what I like. <laughs> I know exactly what I like. I'm a man of taste. And, uh, and, uh, yeah. And, and, yeah. So. <laughs> how, how do you feel about The Offspring? I, I love, a lot of their... I love The Offspring. Yeah. I, th- I, I like them a lot, too. But, like, what about, like, uh, their more recent you know, albums compared to, you know, their early, early. They're one of those bands that their, their chart of good and bad. If it was like a wire graph, it would have its ups and downs because Mm -hmm. they, you know, they did smash, which was like the, I think it's like to this day, the biggest self-released selling album of all time. Uh, Because they technically were not 
signed under a record label when they released that yeah. album. Then they did mm-hmm. Ixnan the Ombre, which was another great album. Then they did Americana, which everyone knows would pretty fly for a white guy. That was a, a I like that's not even my favorite song from that. Like I, I, I really like the kids are all right. Kids aren't all um, right. Aren't all right, yeah. I really like that's that. That's a great one. song. And uh, you know, even other stuff like Walla Walla, you know, I, I like that one. Yeah. Um, yeah. and you know, the get a job, like, cause that, like that, like so everybody's had that moment where you're with that, you know, you're friends with somebody or you're, you know, somebody who's in that relationship where you're just like, get a job. Like, yeah. 1998, you know. 99 was like the, the peak of like the alternative rock meets punk, like pop punk kind of mm-hmm. albums. Cause that's when enema of the state by blink Way two came out and that was their biggest album. And, offspring released americana and in, uh, in 99 that was their arguably their biggest album then they did conspiracy of one in 2000 and that one dipped down a little bit in my opinion that had that song i want you all tattooed i want you bad uh-huh. and then they had that stupid song original prankster you remember that song original oh. prankster prankster yeah original yeah that's when they started getting yeah the, the, like i was like okay the pretty fly for a white guy is silly but it, I, as a one-off it was fine but then when they started the, it's like original prankster was clearly like pretty fly for a white guy part two yeah i didn't care for that and then um then they did splinter and that's when i think that that's when the dip goes down in their wire yeah wire that chart. one there are some songs on there I didn't mind, but you could tell they're like really shifting in yeah. a different direction. And then they, uh, at some point, I don't know if this, the, that album, The Rise and Fall or whatever, that was a really good album. That song had Hammerhead on it and You're Gonna Go Far, mm-hmm. Kid. Um, that yeah. was a really good album. That was definitely like a comeback album, I would say. Yeah. Um, and, and I don't know, in general, uh, they, they've never really... S- they haven't sucked yet. Like they haven't really had that dip so far. Yeah, even Splinter. Like I didn't hate yeah, that album. Like it was, just, um, it was just mediocre. You know, it was it was all right. What, what's that? What, but, what was the yeah. song? The one off there. Um, uh, dun, 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 dun. Uh, it's been a while. Um, fuck the one. Anyway, the single off that album. It's escaping me right now or whatever. Um, that wasn't. I mean, that was a fun enough song. Um. What from Splinter? Yeah, we had the music video had the dog, and he was a dog catcher. Um, uh, there. Okay, so the songs are you have like can't get my head around you. Oh, that was a good song too. Uh, hit that! Hit that! I know Race you against... wanna hit that! Yeah. I know you wanna hit that! Hit that! Yeah, that one. That one was uh-huh. a pretty fun song. So yeah, unlike Blink One A Two, uh, who definitely hit like a trough in their later years. Uh, with uh skiba and, and that's arguable because like a lot of the kids like yeah. honestly like teenagers like blink 182 still and they like those mm-hmm. those albums because they sound so, relevant to them are you picking like tier videos like based on stuff that would you know be like interesting you know in terms of like there's like a clear like distinction between you know the good and the bad because i think i think that's cause if you make like a tier list where it's just like this is all good you know, I'm when that be a little. I'm choosing bands that I know their full catalog good enough to yeah. make uh, a tier list on. Basically, is the Offspring one of those one of those bands you know um, their catalog enough? Pretty much. Uh, well, actually, their first two albums, 
before Smash, I don't know that well. I know they're a lot more punk rock. Um, they they're are. pretty good. Very, very. Yeah, they're yeah. pretty good, but they're they're a little too little too punk for me. Yeah, me too. Like like it's a little little too Not, rough, especially some of the some of the tracks on on those albums. Yeah, like they had like I think like LAPD and Black Ball. Like the, they're just just mm-hmm. kind of eh. Not they they weren't at their full potential yet, but you could see like they did have potential. Um, like that's that's uh that's how I feel about I I'm really big big fan of Scorpions, but like some of their really early stuff, like before Klaus Mine came in as lead singer. Uh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, see, this is the this is what I I'm hate not, about. I'm not big of a fan. This is what I hate about doing the tier list is because that like people literally want you to just love everything by the band. Yeah, and as soon as you as soon as you criticize an album, like everyone freaks out and they're like, "Well, that's not fair." Blah blah. blah. It's like, dude, uh-huh. why do I have to? What? Where's the rule that says I have to like every single thing? that a band puts out ever like what what kind of sense well, does that I feel make? you it's it's that way with actors like i'm a stallone fan and so is my friend and he gets like shit from other stallone fans because he's not like you know giving five star reviews to every stallone movie like he's you know if the movie sucks and stallone isn't that good in it he's being honest about it he's not like oh my god it was great because stallone was back as rambo again it was like no, it was lame and was pretty boring for the most part, other than the ending. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at Offspring's discography right now. Um, I'm familiar with like half of their material because they uh-huh. had their self-titled, which came out in 80 fucking nine. I didn't know they'd been around that long. Yeah. Then Ignition came out in 92. I'm not familiar with those ones as well. Smash, mm. Ixnan the Ombre, which is my favorite record that they've done, 1997's Ixnan the Ombre. Americana, mm-hmm. uh, Conspiracy of One, and then Rise, Fall, Rage and Grace. Those five albums I'm very familiar with. I just totally skipped out on Splinter because I, I just wasn't, you know. W- well, you've heard some songs from Yeah, it, I've heard some. Um, but yeah, I could maybe do one on Offspring. That'd be fun. I could definitely do one on R.E.M. R.E.M. has a lot of albums, and I've heard every single one of them, like, pretty extensively. So, R.E.M. Are they pretty hit and miss for you? Like, because it seems like R.E.M.'s kind of uh, one of those experimental kind of bands where, you know... R.E.M. is a band that they evolved with every single album, which I commend them for, but they definitely have that wire chart to where once you start getting into... uh, the late '90s and early 2000s, the, it would dip down a lot. But then they kind of then they yeah. came back uh, with their last two albums. They were really good, um, so it, they, they would be an interesting band. Um, they're they're one of the few bands that I can think of whose first album was really good. Like mm-hmm. it's it, it wasn't one of those things where it's like, oh, I didn't really like the first few albums. It's like no, their first album was really fucking good. And then their second album was okay, and then they released another few really good albums, and then a great album, and then a good like yeah, they would all be well, most of their albums would be S tier and A tier for me. They have very few mm-hmm. albums that are just completely like not that great. This is all going to be B roll. Uh, so, yeah. So, so, yeah, for sure. To suffice to say, yeah, for sure. Have you ever thought about doing a tier list of like a band that you don't like just to kind of uh, see if there's anything salvageable? That would about about that particular. That band? would involve a lot of uh, no, because then all <laughs> all that's gonna do is just piss off people who are like fans of the band. <laughs> 
because I'm, I'm <laughs> yeah. going to disclose in the video that I'm not the biggest fan, and they're going to be like, well, why the fuck are you even doing this video if you don't even really like the band that much, you know? So, uh -huh. so I probably just saved myself a lot of hassle and from angry commenters by not not doing something like that. But um, I think those are, those are some of the... Those are pretty fun to do. They though, are. They're fun. To, you know, they're, the they're fun for me because the the production is really easy. I just set up my. I literally set up my. I film it on my cell phone. I record my screen and I record my audio separately through my microphone. And I editing is pretty easy. Um, so though I I love doing those videos and I can just kind of talk off the cuff about music that I like. Yeah. You know, so. And yeah. they don't do good at first, but like down the road, they always do good. Like my first yeah. three that I did on like Rush, Genesis, and Pink Floyd, all especially the Pink Floyd one, I think that one's broke a thousand. So for me, yeah. anytime a video breaks a thousand views, that's good for my channel. I saw you're at like 16,000 subs, man. You're closing, closing yeah. in on 20K. <laughs> yeah, I don't know to be a while until I get to that point. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, I feel, I don't, I, it seems like my. General statistic is a thousand subs a year, because I I think by by January fifteenth uh, I will I will be at six k, and I will be I will have been on YouTube for six years and I only have six thousand. I mean if I mean if I tried to do more new films then maybe it, you know might get more views but um... my my biggest problem is still the fact that I don't have one general thing that I do my videos on. I'm just all over the place.